And welcome, listeners, to another episode of Cathode Raycast, the Story Screen Presents podcast, where we talk about all things television. I am your host, Bernadette Gorman-White, as always, and today I am joined by a literal rock star, Rhea Banerjee. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Hi, thank you for that. that You're welcome. <laughs> um, we're here to talk about, and just like that... Uh, the HBO Max revival series that's a conclusion slash maybe ongoing conclusion to characters from Sex and the City. Uh, I really wanted to talk about this because I watched Sex and the City back in the day. I kind of came to it a little bit late. I probably came to it when I was like 19. I would say I watched that's it when about, I was in college. That's about when I got into it. And yeah. I started watching whenever, I don't know what season it was at that time. And Nor do I, I. Eventually backtracked and watched from the. I got the DVD set. <laughs> I like yes. from the beginning to like to put the the pieces of the story. So I kind of watched it in a lopsided way. But it sounds like maybe you did too. So um, definitely, yeah, yeah. We also like before. I mean, we didn't have HBO at home too. So neither did we. Yeah. So it was really it wasn't until college when everybody was gathered on Sunday evenings in the common room in the dorm to watch. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I don't know about you either, but it was weird. My household, like my mom wasn't cool with us watching things like Friends or Sex in the City, but she was totally cool with us watching Seinfeld, which is like also pretty raunchy. Yeah. So I don't really understand That's why weird. I was allowed to watch certain things and not others. But that what can you do? Yeah. 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 That is really that is why strange no boundaries. Yeah, why no friends but Seinfeld? I don't know. Friends was supposed to be kind of like a younger tamer. Yeah. Yeah. At least in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, granted, I love that I was able to watch Seinfeld because obviously I think that's the superior show. I would agree. I would agree. But that's one that I have watched from beginning to end several times. Yes. Um, So. Definitely. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so. I really wanted to talk about and just like that. And Rhea was the first person. You were the first person that I thought of (laughs) and was very happy to hear that you were also watching it. It didn't really surprise me, but I was glad to know that we were on the same page and that we would be able to talk about this. Um, Honestly, short, short review before we get into like the meat and potatoes. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is a good show, but if there's another season... I'm going to keep watching because like I got to know exactly what I was going to say. I literally am. I started watching just because I'd been seeing that they were doing it. And I was like, I'm curious. And I watched it and I was like, this is not good. And I don't think they should have done it. But then, but then I, but I kept watching it. And (laughs) especially with the way they ended it, I was like, okay, now like, like you said, now I now I need to know. Right. <laughs> I mean, they left a lot of a lot of threads open, which suggests pretty strongly to me. I know they were billing it as a like a mini series, like a limited series, but the way they left 
so many plot lines dangling makes it pr- pretty clear to me that they are hoping for a second season. And then on top of that, they released, it's funny because the shows were like, they were like between 30 and 40 minutes each. And right. it turns out they've released like a one and a half hour documentary on the making of the miniseries, which I masochistically watched earlier today because <laughs> I turned on HBO Max and it was like presenting the documentary. And I was like, okay, well, I'm exhausted because I played a show last night and I let's see this. Um, it was mostly about fashion. It was mostly about the clothing. Interesting. It was um, apparently Sarah Jessica Parker keeps an archive of all of the outfits. I guess she got to keep all of the outfits that she wore. Perks and of I the job. Think, yeah, exactly. And I think she also hung on to some of the out, like the classic out- outfits that the other girls wore too. But, sure. you know, it's like the costume designer for Just Like That was like, you know, going to this storage unit that Sarah Jessica Parker has rented in the city and going through the cost because like for set dressing because for continuity they're like okay well just because she's older and she's married and she's living in a fancy apartment with big slash john (laughs) um you know obviously it's not like she's gonna get a brand new wardrobe for married life we want to you know right it's it's, you know she obviously she would have moved her existing wardrobe into that home so they wanted that continuity and also I mean, I understood why they were talking about the fashion because some of the fashion from the original show is very memorable. Iconic, and yeah. very iconic. And so they, you know, they wanted to give people sneak peeks of like, oh, she still has that dress. Oh, she still, you know. Um, and then they talked a little bit about the writing, but they didn't really get too deep about that. And I think that that was a missed opportunity given the way the series was written. Um... Yeah, apparently, too, that there was a podcast, and I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but I think I would like to, and they get into the writing heavily on the podcast, but I've heard that the writers seem, it seems like the general public thinks that the writers are, like, pretty out of touch, and really don't understand how to write for these characters. Right, right. I had heard that they were putting out one podcast after every episode. Yes. To, to like, talk in depth about it, and I'm like, there's not, there's not there's not depth no that's <laughs> like, the problem like, what are you what are you talking about in this podcast like what is there really to unpack i mean like right yeah um so good we're, we're on the same page about how we feel about this show's existence um yes because i think the most perplexing thing is a i think there are two facets facets to this a I think the characters did not seem like the same characters that they were, which was a problem. Yes, yes. yes. And then B, it seemed like the people who were writing the show didn't understand how episodic television worked. And I know that previously in Sex and the City, they were, what, like half an hour episodes? They They were were shorter. Yep. But you could watch an episode and feel content with this is an episode of television. Right. There were some overarching things that took place over the course of the entire yeah, season. Some, some but events. But yeah, everything was like a every episode contained. Was a contained story. Right. And um, this, they've completely thrown that out the window. Right. Um, right. And then you had storylines just getting left on the cutting room floor. Right. You had 
things set up that seemed way more interesting for the next episode that they ended up not even touching yes, on, yes. which I thought was really terrible. It happened multiple times. Yeah, it's just the disconnect. <laughs> yes. It was, was so yeah, bad. It was, yeah, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. I mean, um, so the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about, um, yes, I'm is, excited. is the, um, there's been a lot of press about this because I think originally they wanted to do a third film, yes. which would have been a mistake because the first film was kind of crappy, but kind of like, but it like, feels like a warm hug. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first like, movie isn't great but you can but it watch was, it you can watch it and, and enjoy it and enjoy it and it feels like a realistic continuation of where the series left off sex in the city 2 should never have been made it's horrible it's racist it's so stupid. racist it's so bad it's just so 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 bad um and like fan servicey in all the worst ways exactly and it yeah yeah like why is why is aiden in dubai why? Why is he? And like coincidentally at the same time. And like right. also the tone on which it ended where like, you know, it's funny, like they keep calling him big on the show, but I'm like, they gave him a name. Can't we call him by his name? Because I just yes. think it's weird that he, like she's married to him and she's still talking to her friends about him as as big. And I'm like, with a code name. With a code name. I'm like, he doesn't need the code name anymore. You got him. You got him. He put a, he put a ring on it. You got him. You know, it's not. He's not like the mysterious, you know, finance man who's keeping you at arm's length. He's he's John. Right. Call him John, please. Call him John, please. Um, but it, it's like the way it ended was sort of icky because it was like, you know, what, like the conclusion they came to was that, like they needed to have like their married life be a little bit more exciting, like their dating life. And John's solution to this was to get her another engagement ring with a black diamond. And that was the note that that film ended on. And I was like, what? And I actually heard a podcast about a year ago um, when they were talking just about like the legacy of the show. Um, they got everybody who's in almost everybody who was involved except Kim Control. And this is where I'm heading with this. Um, mm -hmm. to comment on it and chris chris knows we will have to talk about him as well unfortunately yeah. yeah um he he commented about he was like the thing that i he's like i liked being on the show uh sarah jessica's great the other girls are great um i like you know he's like i i think the story we told about uh carrie and mr big was compelling he's like i really hated the overly romantic mushy stuff and he went on record saying that he thought the way the second film ended was bad. He's like, that was bad. I didn't want to do it. I was contractually obligated to do it. But he was like, I just don't understand what message we were trying to convey with that. And he's like, I just think it was sort of icky. The progression um, was strange. Yeah. 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 Um, so Kim Cattrall, very famously, did not want to participate in the third movie. There was a lot of um, protracted negotiations. She had certain conditions. I believe that she wanted met before she would even agree to entertain the idea. Um, there have been rumors for years that she didn't actually get along with the other women on the show, which mm -hmm. I didn't know until all of this controversy over the scuttled third movie came out. All those rumors started coming out or becoming more like uh, visible to me. 
Yeah, I think they were resurfaced for sure. Yeah, and it was interesting because when I, so I actually, um, after watching the first episode of this, I actually rolled back to the last maybe five episodes of the final season, just so I like remembered where that left off. And I am impressed if Kim Trawl really did not get along with those other women, they all did a really good job of hiding it. Um, there are so many scenes that are just Carrie and Samantha, like, together having drinks, not necessarily with the other two. And, right. And, like, you can feel that there's a bond. You don't feel that there's, like, uncomfortable tension between the performers. The scene when Miranda and Steve get married and Samantha has gotten her cancer diagnosis and Carrie grabs her hand during the um, in sickness and in health part, I'm just like, these two are amazing actors if they hated each other and they could do something like that and have it read the way it read in that really like very powerful way um but okay you know she didn't want to do it and she felt that she had been ostracized during the run of the show by the other three who who apparently were very close and, and I think there was a pay disparity of some kind as yes, well. Yes, exactly. And she, you know, in her argument, and she's not wrong, is that she was, you know, just because she was the biggest personality, um, Samantha, and the, kind of the most flamboyant character, and certainly the most sexual character on the show called Sex of the City, that she deserved more credit for her contribution to the series. And I 100% agree with her on that. And yeah. um, so I wanted to say that I felt her absence from this show so acutely. Um, everything about just the balance of the way, and, and I know they tried, they brought in other female characters in problematic ways, <laughs> which we can get to as well. Very, um, she warned, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they were, you know, they, they, they brought in other other female friends to, you know, seem to, they tried, like like they were trying to plug that hole a little bit they did keep um, a sort of awkward texting relationship between Carrie and Samantha alive, which I didn't care for. They should have just issued that from the start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, I also feel that the way they explained Samantha's absence was borderline insulting to Kim Patrol. Extremely so. Yeah, because basically they say, oh, you know, the book publishing not being the way it used to be. Carrie didn't really need a full-time publicist, so she said, you know, I got, I, I can't really afford you. And she, and so, and Samantha, this is very out of character, like you're saying. Even with her not being there, she got so mad that she stopped talking to her and also, by extension, stopped talking to Miranda and Charlotte and then got on a plane and moved to London. Didn't she own her own PR firm in New York? She abandons her business. <laughs> And moved right. to London because she got mad at Carrie. And then there's this line that Carrie says when they're, of course, they're doing the expositional dialogue at the beginning to explain Samantha's not there. And she literally says to Miranda, I didn't realize she just thought of me as an ATM. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. no. That's a horrible, horrible. I mean, like, in that moment, I was like, yeah, they did not like Kim Cattrall. Because why, no. why would they even write a line like that? That's horrendous. That was, I mean, Samantha being her publicist was such a small part of the original series. I mean, 
I had forgotten that she even was the publicist. I did too. I did too. I just figured these were two women who, you know, kind of met in the city when they were younger and they just stayed friends. And, you know, like she ended up being, yeah, it's, it's such a tiny, tiny part of the plot. I mean, I was trying to remember, I feel like when her, when Carrie's book comes out, they throw a book party and Samantha manages that. Samantha manages like the, the photo shoot for the cover of the book. And that's really it. (laughs) right you know um and so it's it was i was just like ooh, ouch that was i just think that that was first of all just the way they explain samantha being gone is bizarre and out of character for samantha and then also when you throw in that atm line it's just so ugly um it's just really really ugly and i was like you know yeah not pleased not the way to handle that um, yeah, so and apparently yeah. when the end of the, you know, season happened for Just Like That, you know, there were rumors, are they trying to maybe try to get her to come back? And mm. m- many people are saying, you know, SJP came out and said it, Michael Patrick Kelly, who was the showrunner for this show, right. he's also said she's not welcome back. Oh, so I, I honestly don't know why. I don't know how they could have handled it better, keeping her alive. I think they should have just found a way to say that she died, which she would have had, sucked. She had breast but... cancer. Maybe her cancer yes. came back. I mean, like, that yes. would have been more respectful than what they did. I mean, like, ouch. The thing is, I mean, the funny thing about that is they say she's not welcome. But at the same time, Kim Cattrall has made very clear that she does not care that she's not welcome because <laughs> she ain't doing it. She's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm in my 60s. I, I've done my time with that character. I would like to move on with my life. Thank you. Stop asking me. <laughs> yes. You know? I love that during and just like that, How I Met Your Father started. And she's, and she's like the that. grown up Hillary Duff. And that's I great. I haven't seen I haven't seen that yet. It's, it's in my queue. I keep meaning to check it out. I, is it, I mean, it's it's fine. I, yeah. I wasn't crazy about how I met your mother either, but I do like watching it because it's in the pop culture zeitgeist. I like right. knowing what's going on. Right. I'm going to watch right. it. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's not like blowing my mind by any means, but right. Right. enjoyable. OK. Yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 I love I love that while while all this was <laughs> happening, Kim Cattrall is like, look at me. I am actually moving on. By so, myself. Yes, by myself. And please stop asking me about Samantha because I do not care. I do not want to. This is, I don't want to revisit it. I don't want to be a part of it. My life is different now. I mean, like, and that's, you know, when they, and then when they've talked about it, when the, when the performers and people involved in the show have talked about the way they handled Samantha not being there. They play it off as like, oh, you know, friendships grow apart or whatever. I'm like, yes, that does happen sometimes sure. in adulthood. And they could have just said, you know, we stopped having as much in common with her. She broke up with um, Smith and the three of them were all coupled off. So maybe maybe there was something like, else some, happened. Something else. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or, you know, she just didn't really fit into the dynamic anymore because it's like, you know, someone like her who's not with her boyfriend anymore and wants to still be like an independent single woman she's got three friends who are who are married like maybe they just didn't have stuff to talk about anymore maybe she was sick of hearing about charlotte's children and brady and you know right and that that's fine and she was also like her character was a good you know like eight years older than the other ones too so she was in a different phase of her life the entire time so, I mean, they could have just been like, you know, we just stopped having stuff in common. 
you know, we always wish her well, whatever. Um, but they, they made her like weird and petty. Absolutely. And it felt very pointed. It felt very, right. very pointed. Like they're trying to send the actress a message and the actress is just she's like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, especially because it seemed like they didn't know how to write off this character. Right. And if they would have just mentioned it at the beginning, it was bad enough. But yeah, just kind of leave it be at that yeah, point. Like, don't exactly. keep bringing her up multiple times multiple throughout times. the show. Exactly. Because then like, stop trying to like, make it happen. It feels like a guilt trip, even though they say she's not welcome. So it's almost like that's what it felt like to me every time right. we saw those awkward text exchanges between Carrie and Samantha. And the, right. like, the gestures of reaching out that Samantha did, because we do have to talk about the other death, <laughs> the real death that happened on the show. Right. Um, you know. It also seemed just, if if not a jab at King Patrol herself, it also seemed like a really shitty way to tease the audience to be like, well, maybe she is coming back. Right. And it's maybe, like, maybe there's you guys got to stop teasing exactly, that for us. Exactly. Like, we, we don't need it. We don't I, care. I've read multiple, you know, like, tweets and reviews online where they're like, maybe there's a surprise cameo at the last episode and like that no i think it's very very clear that that is and you shouldn't want that no you shouldn't no no it's unnecessary but at the same time without samantha's voice in the show the dynamic suffers i mean like it's extremely very very lopsided um i mean like i was so i I like revisited the last two episodes of and just like that right before coming here and Tim came and sat down next to me and he was like, and he, he didn't, he, he, the show wasn't meant for him. He never watched the <laughs> right. original one, but he knew, he knew enough about the premise. And he was like this, he had two things to say. He said, number one, Kristen Davis has forgotten how to act. I think she is terrible in this series. I think and the he, writing for her is really bad too. Yeah. Yeah. And she was not, she was, I mean, in, on the show, I mean, she had some really, really, um, like, tough emotional plot lines. Her entire, the tragedy of her first marriage. Yeah, the Trey storyline's great. Yeah, yeah, it's a great story, and it's really sad. It's, like, sad, but it's also, like, I remember when I was watching it, I was like, this is sad, but this is also, like, I can, I believe that something like this can happen. Yeah, this is what happens when you meet someone who's good on paper. And you don't think yeah. it through, and then you learn a bunch of stuff about the guy and his family, like way, way before you can, oh, way, way after the point where you can like back off of an engagement. And she was so focused on wanting to be the bride this, and the married bride and, and this mm-hmm. certain type of you know Park Avenue wife that she all the red flags she ignored them. Um, yeah, and then it became, and I think. Um, Kyle McLaughlin is a national treasure. I love him. Love that man. Yes. Love and him. He, and and he, he does some really amazing work as Trey in that storyline. And I found it super compelling. And I also love that then the show took us in the direction that she falls in love with this, like, kind of schlubby power <laughs> lawyer, her d- divorce attorney, who is so not the right guy on paper, but is actually, like, a wonderful guy for her. And I was like, I just thought that was such a great arc. And I think she did it well on the show, on the Absolutely. series. And something, I don't, like, the writing is not great, but I also feel like, you know, 
we've talked about other problematic shows together. Um, uh, <laughs> I've blocked the title from my mind. The, the, oh, the, the undoing. Human, the undoing. Yes, it undid It's been so undone. Much. It's been undone. It's undone from my brain. Um, good. You know, of like of like good actors doing work, like good work with thankless material. Um, and I don't even I don't think Christine Davis rose to the occasion in that situation in in, in this show. Um, so that was the thing. So Tim was like, she, she, she doesn't seem to know how to act. And then he was also like, there's, there's just something he could tell that there was something off and he didn't even really watch the original series, but he was like, this just feels awkward. There's something not right. And I said, well, what's not right is that there is a very important personality that was integral to the chemistry of the original show. Who's there. And, um, yeah. And especially the fact that it feels like these characters were frozen in time and then oh, were just yeah. literally unfrozen at the start of And Just Like That. Yeah. It's like these women, they live in New York City. It's not like this moment would be the awakening to how the city is changing around them or how right. culture is changing around them. They right. would have been aware right. that this was happening right. for years they leading up. like podcasts are like new and weird and I'm like... Where have you been for the last ten years? <laughs> like right, like pod, they're like, oh my and god, and comedy pod, concerts, comedy, yeah, like <laughs> what is a comedy concert? <laughs> it's I, unexistent. I, 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 I don't know why they kept calling it that. It was a, it was a, it was a comedy special for Netflix, like, like you know, like something that Jim Gaffigan or Aziz Ansari or, or Hannah Gatsby has done. Like it's, it's in the culture, <laughs> you know. Yes, like um. Yeah, is it because they were standing and that there yeah, weren't seats? Is yeah, that why it was a concert? It, it was a concert, but yeah, she didn't even. Sarah Ramirez didn't. You know, we we. I was so glad that they did write a scene for Sarah Ramirez to to sing in the right. last episode because she is a phenomenal singer. She is a, a Broadway performer. She was yes. in the original cast of Spamalot as the Lady of the Lake. Um, right. Also very famously on Grey's Anatomy for. Um, Years and years. Years yeah. and years, yeah. So, um, she was yeah. one with the most thankless material. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. we'll get into that, too. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, but I, yeah. Just, I wanted to know what you thought. So, like, you know, in the absence of Samantha, their attempts to um, kind of fill those gaps with the new female friends, I wanted to know what you thought of how they did that and was it successful in any way? And then I also have some thoughts about the casting of those characters too. But like, I just wanted to first ask you, like, did that even work bringing in the new women? I think the, the character of Seema, the Sarita Chaudhary character, Seema. Yeah. yeah. I, I really liked her on her own. Yes. Um, I think the writing for her was really good for the most part mm -hmm. and probably was the closest to the original sex in the city yeah. that I was kind of wanting out of these women. Yeah. Yeah. But I think this is a common consensus too online. I've done some reading about things that it was really offensive that she only got a few scenes on her own, right. which yeah. weren't centered around the other characters. Yes. It seemed like she only got to tell her story if she was telling it to Carrie. Right. 
which made her feel like a character in Carrie's book that she supposedly had written. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) We have no idea what that is. Exactly. I read something Um, on the um, AV Club where they were saying Sarita Chaudhary is the, she's the unused MVP of this series. Like, there's so much they could have done with her, and they and they didn't. Um, You know, and then as as an Indian American person, um, like the actress who played Sini, um, who, have you ever, by the way, have you ever seen Mississippi Masala? Um, I have not. Uh, I've um, seen her in The Path, and then she was in The Green Knight recently. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I, I haven't seen that. I think she's done a lot of stage work, and um, she does audiobooks as well. I've, um, I've listened to her do audiobook narration. And, um, but Mississippi Masala was her film debut. Um, it's a kind of Romeo and Juliet story. It's, um, it's a lot more complicated than this, but I'm just going to sum it up. A very, a very young, a very young Denzel Washington is her love interest in that movie. And it's kind of about, it's, it's kind of about that complicated racial dynamic of an interracial relationship, but it's not a white person dating a black person. It's about, you know, these two cultures in America that are, you know, mistreated and discriminated against. And sidelined, yeah. Exactly, in different but similar ways and the way their communities respond to the relationship. And she does a really, it's her debut film, she does an extraordinary job. Um, I've always wondered why she didn't get more work. And so I was I was happy to see that she had joined the cast. And she's also like, you know, she's got a big personality as well. You know, she's not, you know, like she's, she's not as flamboyant or as, you know, sexual as Samantha, but she, you know, um, I did notice that they, that she was the only one of the new female characters who did get to sit down at a four top with the other three girls. And it felt like, okay, maybe they're trying to let, maybe they're trying to let her be that fourth voice at the table right um and it kind of worked but it kind of didn't um you know um yeah it didn't really become as regular as it should have been for it to mean anything right it's almost like don't do it at all if you're not going to follow it up with other brunches in the future where she's also sitting around the table exactly and she's also equally a friend to uh charlotte and miranda as well she's not just like Right. It was strange that all of the women kind of got a plus one in the storyline. Right. Like Charlotte right. had a new friend, Miranda had a new friend. Yeah. But they didn't really interact together except in very strange scenes where it was confusing as to why all of these people would be in the same area right. at the same time. And I thought it was so. So that was the other thing too. Is like I think it was. I know that they were. So much of the show seemed also. And I think this also speaks a little bit to your, this unfrozen caveman reality <laughs> that was <laughs> happening with the main characters. It seemed very conspicuous that every single new female character was a woman of color. And mm-hmm. on one level, I applaud them because I know that that is something that was a big criticism of the original series. You know, when you're talking about a show based in New York and, you know. And but, it's so white. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um you know, at the same time, it felt tokeny. Every single one of those felt tokeny because every single one of those female characters had a tokeny plot line. Like, 
uh, Miranda's professor, Nia Wallace, like Miranda has left her job and is going back to school to get a master's in human rights, something or other. Right. And, and there's like, she, she like, and again, this speaks to nobody's acting the way they did in the original series. She like goes to her the first class session and just like has word vomit in the worst possible way. The, woke you know, like, word vomit exactly woke word vomit <laughs> and, and you know about like about the professors her braids and no 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 i wasn't saying that because it's a black hairstyle i'm just it's different from your photo on the website oh my god blah, blah, blah. and i was just like okay so this professor character is here to make the point that uh, women can do this, can do and, exactly. and black women can do black, this. Yeah, black women can be prominent professors and can wear black hairstyles, and that's okay. And I'm like, that's the lesson we're taking from this. All right. Um, and then you know, with Charlotte's new um, uh, uh, school board, private school board buddy, yeah. Um, LTW. Yep, LTW. That I believe uh, Anthony refers to as Black Charlotte. Um, um, again they had that whole episode about charlotte planning the dinner party because she really wanted to she wants to become more than mom friends with ltw and they realize that they don't have any other black couple friends and they're freaking out about the dinner party and then the dinner party gets canceled but then they get invited to lisa's husband's birthday and then they're the only white couple in the room and then they feel awkward and i was just like and then she and ltw have this like coffee confession moment where they were like i was anxious because i thought you were going to be the only black couple at our party and i was worried that you were going to feel uncomfortable that you were the only white people and i was like so what's the lesson you're supposed to take here? <laughs> you know? um, right. Both of you grown women don't know yeah. how to operate in society. <laughs> exactly. I don't know how that's comforting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so there's that. And then uh, Carrie and Seema, we get uh, what is unfortunately a, there's one aspect of Seema's otherwise tokenized <laughs> uh, storyline that is a little bit revolutionary, but we get the bad Indian daughter who smokes when her parents aren't watching and hasn't found a husband and they're pestering her about it. And like, maybe we should have an arranged marriage. And I was like, Oh, fuck, another arranged marriage, Indian daughter storyline. Yeah. Like, ugh. the one thing that is interesting is that Seema is 53 years old and still unmarried and still like trying to find her guy. And I was like, okay, I think it's interesting that they're doing this storyline and it's not about like a 23 year old girl who, you know, her parents are freaking out because, Oh, you're getting too old to get married. That would have, that would have taken it completely in the realm of like every bad plot line that features a, a, an Indian family. Um, but still it bummed me out that they had to even put that in there. I don't think it was necessary. I think the episode where Seema brings Carrie to the Diwali party and Carrie finds some deep meaning in being there for that ceremony. They didn't need the other stuff. They didn't need the scene with the parents being like, you know, you know, who, how, who is this fiction, the fictional boyfriend that she, uh, you know, invents so that her parents don't freak out that she's not dating. And, you know, like they, yeah. it, it was unnecessary. That could have just been a moment where, 
Seema was being a good friend and bringing Carrie someplace because Carrie's just in a bad place for a lot of the series. Um, right. You know, and, and, and like it, 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 it was unnecessary. And then also it was one of those plot lines that got immediately dropped. It was like, we had one episode where Seema's parents are like, why aren't you married? Why aren't you married? Why aren't you married? And then that was the end of it. Yeah. It actually <laughs> really made me wish that they would have, if they wanted to have this Miranda storyline, which mm. they carried out mm. and there were moments where I thought it was going to fall fat, flat on its face and, but mm. they managed to like, keep it up. It really made me wish that Seema was a lesbian mm. and that at one point Miranda would have been introduced to Seema and something would have been kind of awakened. That would, yeah. That, I, that would was the relationship I wished we could have seen because well, I think it, it would was... have deepened Seema's character and I think it would have deepened Miranda's character Absolutely. because she was used to having Samantha around all the time. And now right. that Samantha's gone, Miranda would have this reawakening thinking like maybe there was something about Samantha that right. I had in my life that made me feel sustained enough to right. keep my relationship with steve going i was right. kind of feeding off of that energy right. from and that, samantha and, that and then if like, that would have been pushed over to seema exactly. she, she could have said like oh maybe it's because i'm attracted to women right and, that and without and that samantha complicated the complicated in a good way the, the whole thread with her parents freaking out about exactly she's old and unmarried you know um I, exactly I, I i didn't that didn't occur to me but you're saying that now and i'm agreeing with you i think that would have been a, a much very, more interesting storyline. Interesting storyline, um, especially because the the Che storyline was so disconnected. I kept forgetting that Che was the person that Carrie worked with, right? And Che was also the person that Miranda was interested in. Those exactly. two Che's seemed different. Oh, oh, like different for people sure, for sure. And the other, okay, I have been the Che storyline. I admire them for trying. Yes. I admire them for casting Sarah Ramirez, who is a very cheap... Uh, sorry, I already fucked that up. They are a very open, bisexual, mm -hmm. non-binary person in real life. Um, right. And they wrote the role tailored to them, which I think was great. Um, I, I have been seeing a lot of... Um, Number one, I think what they did to Steve's character on this series is just horrible. Abysmal. Horrible. Abysmal. He was such a lovely guy in the original Steve is series. one of my faves. Yeah. He's, yeah, absolutely. Out of all of the men that they ended up with in the end, he was like, you know, rock solid, great guy. Yeah, okay. When they first met early on in the series... She was a high-powered warrior, and he was kind of this schlubby bartender with no ambition. But his storyline was great because she inspired him to open a bar, and now he's a successful business owner. His bar still exists in 20 years later. His bar is going strong. Restaurants and bars fail all the time. He's kept his hospitality, and there's a pandemic. Uh, right. Know, he's, he's kind of. Maybe. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> Oh, not yeah. really yeah they kept referring to the pandemic as in the past and i was like "Ooh, cringe this show is damaging out. exactly where this show is on the air while omicron is happening bad <laughs> so so there was that but i do know in real life that david eigenberg who plays steve does have to wear hearing aids now. yes so they wanted to put that in the plot just to you know to 
in case people were wondering, I guess, or noticing. But they they seem to use that as an excuse to make him like a doddering old man, an idiot, weirdo. Yeah, like like completely just like that scene where Miranda runs into Maya and her husband in the farmer's market and Steve is just <sighs> all Awful. over the place and just like it's like you know I'm like he's not 90 years old he doesn't have dementia no. he just has some hearing loss that happens to people in their 50s that's something that happens and Steve had game oh, in yeah. Sex in the City oh, yeah. and when you have game you don't lose game right like, exactly like, you don't lose was, swagger he was that's, supposed to be the guy who like gave like they had the she had the best sex of her life with him which yes. is why she was like so conflicted about like his lack of ambition in the beginning she was like you are so great in so many ways but this part of you really really bothers me and that ends up what you know like what destroys their relationship in round one right um, you know but then they like they become friends they, with the accidental pregnancy they co-parent really well together when they weren't together and then so like i said i went back and i watched the uh, last few episodes of the final season and the thing that has been bothering me is not only what they did to steve in this reboot but some of the discourse i've been reading about it here Yes, there's a lot of, and we'll get into that more, criticism of how they handled the Chase storyline. But also, a lot of people who were like, well, maybe it makes sense because Miranda settled for Steve. And I was like, no, she nope. did not. She was the one who proposed to him. Yes, like, her disagree with that. She was, they were just hanging out. They'd just gotten back together. They were hanging out at the, like, dive bar. Or maybe it was Steve's bar. I don't know. And they were. They I were think like, they were like eating lunch somewhere. Yeah, they were eating lunch and outside. Some, some day drinking on the weekend, and they were doing like I, I went back and watched the scene. I watched the. I watched that scene got, too. Yeah, yeah, and they were like having these, you know, like this is, you know, for this round of our relationship. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to lose you again. I don't want to lose you again. And then just out of nowhere, she's like, "Will you marry me?" She asked him. That's not yeah. settling. That's not settling. No. That is her making an active choice. She was also the one who initiated them getting back together. She was dating sexy Blair Underwood. Yes. <laughs> and, and who had just told her that he loved her. And she realized she couldn't say it back because she was still in love with Steve. She was the one who drove their reunion. She was the one. Poor who Debbie. Asked, exactly. Poor, oh, Debbie's a catch, man. She, she's probably found herself a great guy. You know, she's doing Absolutely. well. She works at MasterCard. Like, she's doing fine. Um, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Miranda was, in the end, the you know, and so when they're doing this thing where, where in that horrible, you know, Miranda asking Steve for a divorce scene, where Steve is saying, I'm sorry, I'm the one who's always been the one trying to hold this relationship together all the time, all the time, and I'm sick of it. And I was like, I don't think that is a fair characterization of their relationship either. You know, like the biggest fair. conflict they had after they got married was she's too high strung to have a real honeymoon. Like that was one plot line. And then she was really resistant to moving to Brooklyn. And yeah. she gave in and that was supposed to be a capitulation. But it ended up okay. And he obviously, Steve, Steve did all the work to that house that house was kind of a dump when they moved in and it's like a beautiful like probably worth a you know 1.5 million dollar you know real estate I don't right know which, i don't know which neighborhood in brooklyn they're in 
he did all that. He's great. He's yeah, Steve great. is great. And they just I think, like, yeah. If, if anything, I think probably what the, like, the last nail in the coffin for their marriage is probably just because they ended up not being great parents. Yeah. It seems like Brady is, like, all over the board, walking all over them. Oh, yeah. They're not happy with how he's acting, but they're not they're asking not him anything. to change. Yeah, they're, they're not, not disciplining him. him. Yeah, which is crazy so, because, like, they were so good at parenting him when he, when he was, was a young. baby. And, like, yes. a toddler. And then, like, now he's 17, and he's just, like, doing whatever. So it's, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, it's a bummer to me that... Yeah, they really didn't explore that aspect of their relationship at all. Miranda just says she's unhappy. But yeah. all she talks about is, like, we've gone to marriage counseling. It doesn't work. And it's like, no, I think it's Brady that's a problem. You need her to go to, like, parental counseling. Yeah, exactly. To, like, save the kid. Exactly. To save they yourselves. Find a therapist for Brady, too. Have him work some. Like, let's talk about boundaries. <laughs> right. You know, like, how about you not move your girlfriend into our house? I Like, that blew my mind, too. Like, yes. Why was agreed. Louisa living with them? I mean, there's even a line where Miranda turns to Steve and goes, "Did we uh, uh, like inadvertently adopt, adopt her?" <laughs> and it was like, I'm like that. That that, that doesn't happen. No. Not the and, not the high schools. <laughs> that doesn't happen. You know. No. You don't just like move in with your high school boyfriend <laughs> while you're in high school. <laughs> like, and then yeah, I think. Uh, the other thing that really bothered me about that relationship with uh, especially that conversation, because I kind of liked it when Steve had said, like, all right, this is kind of how you are every once in a while. You'll think that I'm not enough and that I am and then, enough and then I'm kind right. of not enough. Right. Um, and, and he's like, so I kind of I kind of liked how he was like, I'm happy this way. But if you're not, then, you know, there's nothing I can do. Right. I kind of liked that. Yeah. But then I, they undid all of that growth in the following episode where he tells yeah. Carrie, like, how long did you know? Uh, yeah. What did she say to you? And then, you know, Carrie tells him, well, maybe you should move on. And he was like, well, this is never coming off. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. you just had this moment, like two episodes ago or like an episode ago where you had said, well, if you're not happy... I, I guess that's it. Yeah. But then in the following episode, it's like, no, you're kind of making Steve the weak character again by saying like, well, I'm always going to be in love with Miranda. And it's like, no, she's kind of fucking you over. Maybe right. you should probably start looking out for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Because because just because you have some hearing loss doesn't... I'm like, David Eigenberg has aged very, very well. He looks Yes, great. he has. He's, still, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got some gray, but he's still got that like boyish, like impish charm. The, like, and the voice. the voice. I love his voice. I love his voice too. And his, his like kind of quirky Queens Queens accent and he's you know, like he's 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 adorable and he's stayed adorable and they 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 like they it's like the it's character assassination. Like they just made him this doddering old fool. And he even has a line, like he he sees Harry when they're going to um Lily's piano concert. And Harry's like, oh my god, I haven't seen you in a while. What's up? And he's like, I got hearing aids. I'm old. What? And it's like, why haven't these characters seen each other in a while? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, what? Didn't they all like used to hang out together? And, all like, the time. Exactly. Uh, so that's weird. Um, yeah, you know, and, and, and then going back to the Miranda plotline, um, I know because of what is, what has transpired in Cynthia Nixon's life since the series ended. Um, I knew that she, because uh, all three 
Um, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kristen Davis, and uh, Cindy Nixon were executive producers on the show, along with right. Patrick King. Um, and I knew, I kind of had a feeling that she was going to want to insert what had happened to her, what has happened to her in real life in the last 20 years, into Miranda's character. And I can see that, um, I can see that that could have been a very compelling storyline about a woman at her age having like a sexual awakening and having that catch her off guard. And that could have, there could have been a lot of interesting stuff from that, whether she got paired off with a woman or a non-binary person, just like to, for her to like have that awakening and say, oh, maybe this is why I'm not happy. It's not Steve. It's not, you know, what, you know, it's not, it's not that I settled for At anyone's life. fault. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. that was the other thing too, when she finally confesses to Carrie that she's unhappy, she's like, I'm unhappy. I hate my marriage. I hate my life. And Carrie's like, since when? And she goes, since forever. And I'm like, nope, you're lying. Nope. That's not true. That's not true at all. That's not true. You were very happy. Yeah, exactly. Miranda was very happy. Maybe Cynthia wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Miranda was. Exactly. And so I feel like they have the um, opportunity to, to do some really compelling storytelling with that plot line. But what they ended up doing having Che be the romantic uh interest was just shoehorning like every uh hey it's 2021 2022 uh you know um gender nonconformity and and gender identity is in the conversation now so it's not just that Miranda is having a sexual awakening about maybe she's not into guys but it's also like we get now we also get to shoehorn the issue of you know trans characters or non-binary characters it's like it's trying to do too much all at once you know definitely like miranda's unhappy with her marriage that's one story miranda's having a sexual awakening in a different way that's one story miranda meets a non-binary character and is surprised to find she's attracted to them that's like another these are like three stories that got smushed into one and became so fast convoluted yeah yeah yeah. It's a shame because it's not knocking Sarah Ramirez's performance at all because, yes, I agree. I think she's great and or they're great they're and they great. Yep. did what they could with yeah. the material. Absolutely. But I really wish that there would have been just a different podcast host mm-hmm. and it that character could have played a part in other things, but not in a romantic way with anyone. Right. right. And if they wanted to focus on non-binary storytelling give more of a spotlight to the rock storyline right, with, right, with charlotte and exactly. then maybe get like rabbi jen to come into the series earlier than the I last love, episode I love rabbi jen. right <laughs> like if you're going to explore like the trans non-binary storyline give it some room to breathe rather than like you said shoehorning it all into this one character che right, right. especially when che is supposed to be a comedian and personally i don't find their humor that they had written yeah, for them I funny was, i was like i was like they seem more like a motivational speaker than a comedian like there's right some, there's some humor in their motivational speaking but like, and the all comedy, the weed stuff was just oh that too it's like, so over the like, top what was that like like when when miranda's like you never texted me back and their response is i'm so sorry i probably missed it because i do a lot of weed 
And, like, I remember, like, Twitter exploded with all these, like, trans and non-binary people being like, that is offensive. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the hell kind of excuse is that? Like, I can understand Che being like, okay, Che is a little bit of a celebrity, so maybe she mixed, oh, maybe they missed the text. I can see right. that being a reality of trying to interact with a public figure, and they missed the text not right not i'm stoned all the time so i don't always get to my text messages right (laughs) what a weird response it's very strange (laughs) it's very very strange um and i or why did they have to have an excuse at all they could have just said like hey i'm so sorry it has nothing to do with you yeah like life got busy i'm i'm touring with this comedy concert (laughs) (laughs) you know whatever you know like like you know they're a public figure you know that's and that's another thing too like and i think they tried to get a little bit of that into the storyline in that episode when it it looks like miranda and che are on a date at the diner and two of her two of sorry two of their fans show up right and we also see like when che makes an appearance at the um school auction and these like parent board big mothers. eye roll for me yeah exactly. yeah that was ridiculous and then, like these parent board mothers are like oh i think you're great i saw an article about you on vulture and like you know you seem really cool like che is obviously for whatever reason very compelling to a large demographic of people they're kind of i mean they're not like famous famous but they're yes this is a, a celebrity on the rise and what is it's like, okay, then that's a fourth story. What is it like to date somebody in that situation? You know? Right. To be that person's significant other. What does that do to you? And then that was the one thing that I did appreciate in the last episode was, first of all, he let Sarah Ramirez sing, which was great because they have a beautiful voice. Even um, though it didn't seem like they were building up that Che would be the type of person to sideline their partner oh, yeah. by telling them something very personal and important, just like in a group of random people, of random that people. didn't make that didn't make sense. Yeah, and also, and also, they were like, "You're gonna meet my family," and Miranda gets there, and and she meets Abuela and the Irish grandma, and it's like, "Where's the rest of the family?" Like, everybody in there looks like they're from, I'm like, are the, are the grandmas the only ones who are, like, coming out to the family party? <laughs> I yeah, I kind of felt like it was implied that Che was saying, you're going to meet my chosen family. But then why um, have the grandmas there? Why have the grandmas there? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did appreciate the moment in the bathroom during the Vey Mitzvah catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Um when Carrie is like, okay, so you're giving up this amazing internship that you got to go to LA to follow Che to LA and, and be there. And she's, and, and I think it was because it was fresh in my mind because I had just watched those last few episodes in splat the third, the third to last, or I guess it's the second to last because the finale of sex in the city was two episodes smushed into one um technically or part one part one anyway i'm getting very very pedantic here um (laughs) there's that scene when carrie finally agrees to go to paris with alexander petrovsky and Mm -hmm. miranda does not like him and she says what are you going to do in paris all like you know so carrie quits her job without your job yeah she goes what are you going to do in paris all day without your job just sit there and eat croissant and i appreciated that scene in the bathroom 
when Carrie kind of handed that back to her and goes, well, what are you going to, you've given up your internship, so what are you going to do in L.A.? Sit in an audience and laugh? And I was like, all right, this show has been written poorly all the way through. <laughs> up until this point. That, that moment was great, that they did that role reversal. And I thought that that was, I was like, that. that's a very, very interesting choice that they made to have Carrie kind of throw that back on Miranda and Carrie also like throwing that back on Miranda having made the choice to give up her life to follow Amanda Paris and it blew up in her face so it's also kind of like she's saying I know from experience that this might go wrong is this the right choice for you to make you know this could go wrong. I mean of course for Carrie it went wrong and then Mr. Big came back and said I love you uh, so it, it wasn't a sad ending per se but sure the original relationship that brought her to paris and was supposed to be the new glamorous life just like exploded in her face and she knows you know she knew in retrospect that that she should not have made that choice so i'm just i thought that that was, that was like one moment of good writing i was like oh i'm glad they did that um i thought that Definitely. was a very very interesting you know interesting choice um it is, yeah, it's interesting to see that these women who, during Sex in the City, they were very open about their sex lives. This was the point of the show mm-hmm. that they felt that they were allowed to explore mm-hmm. and that there wasn't this idea of the one. Uh, yes. Charlotte was always kind of chasing the one. Yes. Carrie was always going to try was- to track Big down because Big kind of ended up being her one. Yeah. But she kept trying to fight against that because she knew she was also being treated poorly. Yeah, that was a t- And I felt a, like Miranda. A toxic relationship, yeah. Yes, definitely. But I felt like Miranda, too, like, she was on top of her game. It caught her by surprise yeah. that she ended up falling in love with Steve. Yeah. Like, that was kind of an interesting thing. And even, so um, I think with Samantha, this storyline, like, yeah, even Samantha you know, like, was railing like, against that. A beautiful moment when Smith flies back from his on-location Viking movie that he was doing, and he comes, and she's, you know, like, dealing with chemo and, and breast cancer, and he comes back because he specifically wanted to say, I came back to say I love you. And she's Samantha. She's not going to say I love you back, but she says you have meant more to me than any man I've ever known. And it's just like everybody, I mean, like, so for Miranda and Samantha, it was like a surprise that it happened. Yeah, Um, definitely. You know, Charlotte was, yeah, exactly. So, no, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So with this storyline, the fact that Miranda has finally kind of had this moment of awakening, although she does say that it's not that they want to be with women or that they want to be with someone non-binary. She does pretty explicitly say it's because I've fallen in love with Che, this person. Yes, Che specifically. Yes. So to me, it kind of seems like she is almost a little bit more like pansexual than anything. She's sure. falling in love with the personality. Sure. Even though I don't know why they didn't talk about that in the show, because that was also an interesting point of conversation. Right, right. Exactly. But exactly. I think it's weird that they ended the season for Miranda with her kind of chasing like this idea of the one right when that's not really what the show was ever about right and that's except not, for charlotte yeah and <laughs> you that's know? not what she was ever about like the scene when um when shay rightfully so gets angry at miranda for not disclosing that um she and she hadn't told steve about 
this and you know i mean also che should not have made an assumption about marika's uh marriage they should have talked that too um so so not really uh you know che should have confirmed on what the situation was before pursuing that relationship but also they rightfully got angry because i think they said specifically i may be this i may be this but i'm not a homewrecker you know um so fix your shit otherwise i'm done with this relationship and that's that's the impetus for miranda to finally talk to steve um and then she calls carrie and says i'm on my way to cleveland because i guess jay was on on their way to do a show in cleveland and miranda's miranda's like i'm in a cab i'm going to jfk i just told steve i'm leaving him i'm in a cab i'm going to jfk i'm in a rom-com carrie and even carrie is like all right have fun with that whoever the hell you are like even carrie is like i don't know who you are in this moment right now and also when that happened talk about storylines or like threads that got dropped i was 100 percent expecting miranda to show up in cleveland and have like the other shoe drop to see that Che has you know somebody in in Cleveland or Che's just out there on the town and is hooking up with a fan or whatever and that was going to or be is it. upset that exactly she came right yeah or like you know like why why are you he- I'm working why you know why did you think this was a good idea? like grand gestures really like it's not that's not Miranda Miranda hates shit like that. I mean, Che got upset when Miranda showed up at their doorstep while they were writing, let alone while they were doing their comedy concert in Cleveland. Exactly. It's just like, what what the hell is... I mean, like, this is not what Miranda... Like, Miranda specifically, in that episode when she proposes to Steve and they get married, she spends a lot of that episode being like, I don't want our wedding to be one of those gross blah 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 like like charlotte's wedding basically is what she's kind of saying um you know she's like i you know i I, we need to find a place that's us and like isn't gross and syrupy and i don't want to do the gross stuff i just want to you know like you know in the presence of friends and family like bury you um which is a very miranda practical uh pragmatic approach to something like that and then we've got we've got her uh, flying to Cleveland on a whim to chase her new love after leaving poor Steve in the beautiful house that he renovated for her. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in a rom-com. I was like, what is this line? Well, I'm in a rom-com. She literally says those words. I was like, nobody talks like this. Also, that's not why a lot of people watched Sex in the City. They didn't watch oh, yeah. Sex in the City to watch a rom-com. Right. They watched it because it was finally women talking about their sex lives right. in an honest and open way. Right. And, okay, so this brings me to another point, too. Yes. The first time we see Carrie in the in her job as one of the members of Che's podcast. And, by the way, I love the actor they got to play Jackie, the, the, the dude. Um, he's great. He's I great. love that guy. He's great. He's, I've he's, seen him in a couple things. He's yeah, awesome. He's funny. His character is funny. Um, you know, and, yeah, and, and Bobby very, Lee. Exactly. And he's very, very sweet in the end. Like, he seems kind of like a, a gross dude in, when we first meet him and then get to know him a little bit. And he's got his girlfriend and they get you know like surprise married at their party and it's very sweet you know but um, i i honestly don't know if he's a good actor because he plays the same character in everything <laughs> i've seen him but i like it yeah yeah no he's very 
he's very winning. He's very charming in, in this strange kind of raunchy, spacey way. Right. Um, but then there's like you know, so so they're they're on this podcast and they're talking very openly about sexuality, and then you know they throw the the masturbation question at Carrie. And she gets so flustered and she's like, oh, I don't know, I'd like to buy a vowel. Oh, I don't know what that means. And I remember that moment. And then even Che says it too. I was like, you used to be a sex columnist. Like, you used to discuss this stuff with your girlfriends to get material for the column that you, that was your job. Yes. And like, you know, when, when Che follows, you know, says, I'll walk you down, I'll, I'll take the elevator, walk you out of the building. And in the elevator, they say, you're the OG. You had a column about sex in the '90s. Why are you being so like weird? Cagey about it? and yeah. strange. And then you know, and then later also when when Carrie is telling Miranda, oh, you know, I kind of gotten you know some. I got I got scolded a little bit by my boss because um, I didn't I, I I didn't feel comfortable talking about the overtly sexual stuff. And Miranda goes, well, yeah, because that's not that's not you. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? That's not true. Like maybe you kept the spicy bits out of your writing. Your writing seemed pretty tame, yeah. but it's not like you weren't doing the research to get the writing. Exactly. Exactly. And it's yeah. not like she had anything to hide from anyone. So no. why should she suddenly all of a sudden become, as you said, like very just like afraid yeah. to talk about things like that yeah i was like she had like is... weird hang-ups yeah and I, I was like this is not you know when you when you look back at the you know like the first season of sex in the city and like her character she was a lot more hardened i mean and that was because the first season was taken very very literally from candace bushnell's book which was you know, right like, tonally a lot harsher and a lot more cynical about you know romance in an environment like New York, New York City in the 80s and 90s, which is obviously very different from what it is now. Um, you know, but Carrie starts out in the very beginning of Sex in the City as kind of, you know, she's like this sort of ambivalent about, is there a one thing? Is love really a thing? And she talks about like the different type of people that she's met and how their relationship patterns work. Like in the beginning, it was a lot of like breaking the fourth wall. I mean, the later on that turned into the voiceovers but there right. was a lot in the beginning of the show there was a lot of breaking the fourth wall and like you know this is my friend who blah 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 and this is you know this is a guy he's a friend of mine he's a modelizer who only dates models you know and it was almost like she was like an investigative journalist yeah you know, all talking about these issues of you know not just relationships but sex and then right. like, you fast forward 20 years and she's like oh masturbation uh, Ooh, what uh, what, what? <laughs> You know, why are you being weird? Why are you right. being weird? This is this is your job. You you you've written books. Yes. <laughs> and and not only have you written books, like you knew what this podcast was coming into it. Right. So how is this catching you off guard? Right, exactly. Exactly. Like you're not a dummy, Carrie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just so strange. It was like super, right. super strange to me. Um, you know, I I just I was just like like you said, it's like these 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 characters, uh, Carrie and Miranda, and Steve. 
did not even remotely resemble who they were in the original series. Charlotte kind of just seems like Sex in the City Charlotte, like on speed or something. <laughs> you know, like, it's, yeah. you can see that it's the same person, but apparently being, like, in a healthy relationship and being a mother has just, like, amped, amped her way, up. way, way up. Um, you know, Harry is still lovely, you know? <laughs> like, he, yeah, he was probably my favorite character yeah, in the show. Yeah, he's, I mean, because he, he, he was still recognizably the Harry that we met and, and grew to love <laughs> in the original series. Um, yeah, Harry and Anthony were the same. Oh, yeah. Which was great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> which was which was nice, yeah. And I think yeah. also, like, were it not for Willie Garson's unfortunate passing, I know that they, they had a whole plot line planned for Stanford and Anthony. And Stanford, even in the in the brief moments that we did get him before before he passed, Stanford's still very Stanford, you know? Like, Absolutely. He's still very much who he always has been, um, you know, which was refreshing, you know? Like, okay, this isn't completely, like, you know, we've transported to a different planet, but... Um, yeah, yeah, I felt like those, those actors, too, either they were the strongest characters in Sex and the City, so the writer still knew how to write for them. Right. Which could be one thing. Right. Or it's a testament to how well those actors knew their own characters. Right. That they could just unleash that again. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because, I don't know, did you watch Divorce on HBO with SJP and Thomas Hayden Church? I had heard about it and I really want to watch it because I I like Thomas Hayden Church a lot. Um, Me too. Um, but I haven't, I haven't actually seen it. I remember being intrigued by it because I was like, oh, this is, this is a very not Carrie role. Um, yeah. And I like, I really love that show. I think it's only two seasons. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if they plan on bringing it back, mm-hmm. um, but I really loved it. But it kind of felt to me like Carrie had kind of like merged with her divorce character when, when it came oh, to, and just yeah, like that, yeah. where it was just like, you, you know how to play Carrie SJP. Yeah, like, yeah. don't act like you don't, you've right. played this role forever. Right. But it kind of seemed like she had a hard time unlocking that. Right. And I would imagine too, with Cynthia Nixon, I guess maybe she did feel like maybe her sexuality was exploited for the show for the first time around Sex and right. the City. So right. maybe she did feel a certain type of way and, and feel like and well, to- you pigeonholed me into this straight role and right. I don't want to do that and I anymore. I don't want to do that anymore because so much in my life has changed since we first did right. this. And, you know, I, and I, I, I can see her point because, you know, like we said before, there were ways to do that storyline that could have been very interesting, very compelling. Right. They did not, they did not succeed. In, no. in doing that um i i think we have to in terms of characters who did who do not act like they did before we do have to talk about mr big slash john i'm just gonna call let's him, do I'm it i'm gonna call him john I'm john just gonna call him john because i think it's so stupid that she still calls him big yeah uh, fair let's get so, into it john uh, so, so john first of all i love this is a really horrible thing i'm about to say I love that he dies because of a Peloton. <laughs> um, just because, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're gonna kill off a character, that's kind of an unintentionally hilarious way to do it. I know that it wasn't meant to be for laughs. You know, we know that John has a heart condition from the original series. Um, he probably shouldn't have smoked a cigar and then done uh, a big old workout. 
on the Peloton. Nope. That was uh, not a good choice. Um, I felt like that episode, they uh, they telegraphed his death so obviously throughout the oh, whole episode. As soon as that piano started, too, at the yeah. recital, and oh, you're yeah. going to flashbacks Flash- between... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, of, of the it's workout. like, oh, yeah, exactly. here it is. And then also, like, when she's leaving for the, for, the, uh, for the piano recital, and he's smoking his cigar, and, you know, she's walking out the door, and he's just kind of looking at her, and she's like, what? What's going on? And he goes, I'm just looking at you. And I'm like, oh, my God. How <laughs> we many- get it. Okay, we get you. He, he's he's going he's gonna to be dead soon. <laughs> Very soon. Because uh, you don't say shit like that in life. You know, no. that's a very, like, literary, you know, like, television movie literary device. It use. reminded me of A Star is Born. Yes. Hardcore. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I was just like, whoa, no. Um, <laughs> problems, problems, problems. Um, somebody, I, uh, somebody... Consulted. I read an article. It might have been on Vulture or the some New York magazine, one of their platforms. Um, why didn't Carrie call nine one one? Why did she just stand there? He was still alive. He was looking at her. He was smiling. Obviously, she could tell he had a heart attack. He's holding his left arm, but he was so, alive. Why the only didn't thing nine one one and there and somebody even researched knowing where their apartment was located in Manhattan that they <laughs> they clocked the address from the first movie where they had moved they were ten minutes away from Lenox Hill Hospital the ambulance would have been right there they would have been treating him in the ambulance the EMTs he probably could have survived yes it probably would have been better if she had been home when that happened but she stands there for like a whole minute looking so at him dying it, it, it seemed to me when she got home from the concert she took off her coat she mm-hmm. took off her purse it seemed like probably her phone was on that hallway table right and so when she came into the closet the amazing closet slash peloton room slash <laughs> spa slash whatever yeah, slash bathroom of SEMA, <laughs> the real estate agent's dreams. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it seemed like maybe I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe she ha- had a choice where she could either spend his last seconds with him mm-hmm. or if she were to run to go get her phone. Right. That she would have come back right. and he would have already been dead. Right. But they do have Hard a to say. They did have a landline. Because there's also <laughs> the thing, too, where in the next episode, someone calls the landline in yes. Brooklyn and Steve's like, who's calling on the landline? And yes. of course it's Carrie, because Carrie, like, was the one, the famously the one of the four who was just not up with technology. Like, huge plot point in the first Sex in the City movie is that she, like, doesn't know how to use a smartphone. Right. Which <laughs> is strange. Um, but it's yes. like, it's, I mean, she's learned how to, but, but they had a landline. She could, I think the, be- the bedroom was probably not that far away. That probably wasn't the only landline dock in that large apartment. Um, right. I mean, I see, I see your point. I feel like maybe that, that was what they were trying to convey. But he was very much alive. And also they, yes. had, they had referenced... When they had that awkward conversation when Carrie was like, okay, I gotta get better at this podcasting thing, and she goes and, like, ambushes John in the bedroom and goes, do you masturbate? Will you masturbate for me in front of me and just, like, pretend I'm not here? And then he, like, 
gets out of it. (laughs) Like he finds a way to like extricate himself from that uncomfortable situation. Um, Because it wouldn't make him uncomfortable, but it shouldn't make Carrie uncomfortable. Exactly. And he was, and she, she even makes a joke. I thought you were going to go for your emergency nitroglycerin pill. Why didn't she go to his bedside table and get the pill and give it to him and call 911? Like, these are things when you are married to somebody who has a heart condition, you should have a plan in case something untoward happens and you need to make a very fast medical decision. And instead, she goes there. Sarah Jessica Parker is a little... You know, she's a tiny woman. Chris Noth is a big hulk of a man. And she's, like, trying to pull him out of the shower. I'm like, you're not helping by doing that. You're not no, helping. you're jostling him more. You're jostling him more. You're making it worse. And he can't speak because he can't. Where you, you know, I'm just like, what, what the hell? Um, I do understand. And this, is, and this is not because of the subsequent allegations that have come out about Chris Noth's... Um, sexual inappropriate, uh, inappropriate behavior. behavior on other shows um you know i know that that wasn't their their intent to kill him off wasn't necessarily because because they didn't know that was going to happen and i do know that when that did happen he was supposed to have a larger role in the last episode there's that dream sequence when she realizes oh i should dump his ashes in paris where we right a thing and i know he was supposed to be in that dream sequence and they had to cut him out of it and it's very clear in the edge yes. where they cut him out. Um, and I understand why they did that. I did read an article where Michael Patrick King said, we had to cut him out, even though it's hard with dream sequences, but he's like, at this point, because those allegations came out right as we were doing the show, to have him come back in the last episode, he's like, the dialogue around the last episode would have been about that and not about the show. So I understand why they did it. It was very clumsy. <laughs> Extremely. Yeah. Um, but I do also understand why why they chose to kill John off. And I think or I or I think I understand. I think what they were trying to do was give Carrie a reset so that you can explore, okay, now Carrie is single again, but she's in her fifties. And she had been married for like 15 years at that point. So now she's coming back into the dating world as a very different person than she was when she was in her early 30s. And so I understand why they need it. And also probably, I mean, Chris Noah was probably like, I don't really want to do this either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, you know, I'll, I'll do one. You got to do something, you know. Um, right. But, you know, I noticed things too about, I mean, I love the scene in the second episode at the funeral when Susan Sharon, the old friend, I love that. I'm so glad they put this in where she goes, doesn't anybody remember what a prick he was to her? And I was like, I'm so glad that they put that in because everything about that funeral was like, you know, how lucky we were to know this wonderful man and blah, 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 blah. talk, Talk about characters who don't act the way they did on the series you know uh john was horrible to carry for he, 90, he kind of groomed for, her yes he did for 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 like 95 percent of the series he was you know like that archetypical like the unavailable guy who's so compelling and she can't you know help herself 
And then he has like an epiphany when she goes to Paris and he goes and he hunts her down. He says, you're the one. And then even in the first Sex in the City movie, when he backs out of the big church wedding, that was also, and I like the way they handled that in the movie where she finally confronts him on the road and she screams at him, I knew you were going to do this because I know you. She's like, I knew, I knew that you were going to do this. And mm-hmm. of course, his reasons for backing out was that, you know, they originally wanted to have like a small, you know, like justice of the peace situation. And then. Of course, you have the complications exactly. with Miranda. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. What have you. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, 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 sh- and also, um, you know, because Carrie is somewhat of a public figure still at that point, and she, all these designers were sending her dresses. And so the, the wedding ballooned in a way that clearly made him uncomfortable. Also, I, you know, like we got the thread also where he was like, oh, this is my third marriage. Like, you know, and there's that douchebag that he works with who was making jokes at the rehearsal dinner about the third marriage. So it was like, it, he wasn't in a good headspace. And then Miranda was not in a good headspace either and said something kind of dumb to him and then he took it to heart he took it to heart yeah he was already not comfortable with the way the wedding had transformed from something intimate something that he was more comfortable with into something big um but of course carrie has um a decade's worth of experience being off and on with him so when she hears that he's calling off the wedding she immediately goes to motherfucker i knew you were going to do this i just knew you were going to do this and it felt that felt very in character and then by the end end of the film though when we find out that he's been like emailing her love letters the entire time they've been apart and i think that that started the seed of like he's romantic now he's romantic now like what and then again we get you know we get so much of that in the you know like in the scenes that we do have of him in the first episode where again i'm just kind of like this is not the same guy um you know and maybe 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 his third marriage okay so maybe is maybe he's mellowed yeah exactly his brother does say at the funeral that i talked to him recently he said this this is the happiest that he's ever been in his life so thank you carrie so you know people people can change that's fine but this is like a big 180 you know from from the man who like was kind of like a thorn in her side for so long that she just but she just couldn't pull it away um it did kind of seem like plot for plot's sake exactly exactly yeah but i also did notice a couple things though about and i don't know if they did this intentionally this is the problem with the way they wrote the show i don't know if they did this intentionally but you do notice that i did notice that charlotte wants carrie to put off uh going to the Hamptons with John so that she can come to the concert the, or the recital. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and Carrie says, is that okay? And he's like, yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna, I'll do a Peloton that night. She asked him, would you like to come to the recital with me? And he's like, no. And that made me think about, like, how much time does he really spend with her friends? You know, I mean, I know he knows that they're important to her because in the final episode of Sex in the City, he goes to them to ask them, do you think she's happy in Paris with this guy? 
if he's not, I'm going to go get her because I've realized I love her. And there, you know, I thought it's interesting that scene too, because Charlotte's the romantic yes. and she's the one who picks up the phone when he's calling Carrie's apartment. Basically, she arranges the meeting. And I love right. when he walks into the cafe and Charlotte's like all deep-eyed because she knows that he loves her. And Miranda and Samantha both give him like the death glare when he walks <laughs> in, you know, because he's. And so that's the thing too is like, the, and then, but then at the end of the first Sex in the City movie, when they reunite and they say, you know what, we'll do the small intimate wedding because we don't really need to do the big wedding. We got we got carried away, and that wasn't great. Um, but he knows that it was important for her to have her friends there, so he arranges for them to all come when they're done with the justice of the peace and they all go out to brunch afterwards. So you see it. And also like, there's a lot of camaraderie at that rehearsal dinner that kind of goes wrong where he's out there. Steve and Harry are like smoking cigars and and Smith. They're all like smoking cigars with John. It seems like they've kind of become a big friend unit. But then I have to wonder when she asks him, will you come to, charlotte's daughter's recital with me and his first he's like nope nope and so i was like is this really a great marriage because he does not seem to really want to be involved in the life she has that isn't the life she has with him right very selfish and then also when we get the episode about the will reading and he's left a a million dollars to natasha wife number two um you know (laughs) you know who he and Carrie had an affair and destroyed that relationship and destroyed her relationship with Aiden. Um, he leaves the million dollars, Carrie spins out, and, you know, and and then it comes to be that not neither Carrie nor Natasha have any clue why he did it. And I was just kind of like, that is such a John slash Mr. Big thing to do. To be right. Like, to be like, Surprise! here's something you didn't know about me that I withheld from you, but it is my will. And, you know, I mean like that, I, that felt very much. In, and it was one of those things too, where when you put that together with Susan Sharon at the funeral saying, doesn't ever anyone do, don't, doesn't anyone remember what a prick he was to her? <laughs> you know, he's, he, I have to wonder how, I mean, the relationship was toxic throughout the original series and then we were led to believe that it became like great and great and homey but i think he still was not a good partner yeah because it seemed like she was aunt carrie to all of her friends kids was he uncle john probably not i never heard any of them say you know uncle i'm so sad uncle john is dead like carrie's daughter charlotte's daughters are like is, uh, you know, is Aunt Carrie going to be alone right now? Not, oh, I'm so sad that Uncle John died so suddenly. Like, right. did he have a relationship with her friend's kids in that way? You know, and so it, it's it's little things like that that kind of, and again, I don't know if the writers did this intentionally or not, but um, I think it was a good thing, even though they didn't do great things with it. I think it was a good thing to end that marriage um in some way in some way um, yeah because it opened story story options you know like how many stories can you really do about how like oh look harry and john's relationship is really great right now and you can 
forget about what a prick he was to her for 10 years, you know? Um, right. You know, and so, so I understand, I understand why it was necessary to do that. And I just, I don't know if they were meant to be Easter eggs about, you know, she didn't know about Gogi the dog. <laughs> the picture of the dog. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> his, his, like, pink berry card. Like, what? Okay. Sometimes he goes and has frozen yogurt. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's like, I've never seen him have pink berry. Like, what? okay. Who cares? Who cares? Maybe there's a pink berry on the corner where he works in his mysterious finance job that never gets clarified ever at any point what he actually does for a living. No. Um, <laughs> so, um, again, I understand narratively why they needed to dispatch with that relationship. Um, but then I just feel like they, it, it took, number one, I was fully expecting uh, Franklin, the podcast producer, to be eventually uh, a surprise love interest i wasn't expecting it to take as long as it did yeah i was surprised that they held it off as long as they did yeah because i could see because there was a you know when there's a little bit too much of him in the podcasting scenes but he has only like a line and a half but they make sure to show him i was just like they're showing him for a reason they're showing and he's always just looking at carrie exactly exactly yeah you know, um, and, and so I, I, yeah, I, I was surprised that it took them that long to get there. Um, you know, I understand they wanted to do a story about grief, and grief can be complicated. And, you know, I am sure, even though they didn't discuss this in the show, that I'm sure her grief was complicated because while their marriage was good, their relationship leading to the marriage was not good. And right. she wanted very badly to hold on to the good stuff. You know, like she says to Che, it's, right. it's a happy sad. I'm trying to look at this as a happy sad. We had a happy life together, and that's what I want to remember. And then the big surprise in the world, like, completely throws her off kilter or whatever. But, I, you know, I have to, I, I, I'm just, I just wonder, they could have done a story about complicated grief, because grief brings up weird things. And I would, you know, if I were in your position, and... My um, husband, who uh, treated me very poorly for the first decade of our relationship, um, and then miraculously turned around and said, I love you, finally, um, and then he dies, like, wouldn't that also bring up the old... It was like the old complicated feelings only came up when she realized he left money to Natasha. Yes. And that was it. That was it, yes. and then it was like when she and Natasha came to an understanding, and Natasha's like, "I'm not taking the money. I don't know what the fuck this is about." You know, um, I didn't. I don't want to be thinking about you guys. I've moved on. Um, you know, and she seems to get some closure there. But I was just like, "That's the only." And then it was gone. Yeah, exactly. I was like, but the, "There's, there's more. There's more that would come up in Greece in this situation with the history that they had." with the way he treated her for so long um and i feel like that was a missed opportunity as well i know they wanted to do a grief story um i know that their plan if they had done sex in the city three they were planning to kill john off in that film i think a lot of what they intended to do in that film just kind of got ported over into the series right Um, but yeah yeah. it did seem like moments what they were setting up for the beginning of the series, mm-hmm. they 
wrote themselves a, a way to get past it by having like these three month spans that they just oh, didn't cover. Yeah. Like, like with yeah. Carrie having her hip surgery. And then it was like, oh, three months later, three I'm months back in heels. Exactly. It's like, okay, that's fine. Except sometimes storylines seem to pick up exactly where they were three months ago and other right. storylines were not existing. For sure, for sure. And then also- So like, it was just so confusing. Right. And then also the scene where they show her writing her book it looks like all the seasons happened as she was writing yes. that book. It looked like an entire year had gone by, and I thought they were going to jump us ahead one year. It was only three months. I mean, like, great that she can bang out a book in three months. Like, you know, <laughs> she is an experienced writer. That's cool. But, like, it was like right. all the seasons were happening. As so I, you know, just seeing her at her computer and, like, all the seasons are happening. And I was like, well, oh, okay. And it ends with snow, so that justifies the whole we want to get the book out before Christmas thing. Right. But I was just like, there. there's like temporal issues, timeline issues with this show. Very, very much so. Um, I also, Big time. I also, the thing about Miranda's drinking problem gets solved in like 10 minutes. Yeah, it was really unfortunate the way they yeah. handled that. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just like, Again, that was there was an interesting story to be told there because it. I mean, and they did try to say that it spoke to her general unhappiness with her life at that moment, um, and how Che had kind of awoken this realization that she was unhappy, and she was drinking too much because she was unhappy. But then she was just kind of like, "Nope, I guess I'm drinking too much." And I guess Charlotte didn't passive aggressively send me the book about quitting drinking i drunk ordered that and then <laughs> cut to her pouring all the liquor down the sink. well it also just spoke to the writer's lack of interest in exploring the fact that miranda just placed one addiction with another addiction yes and, oh, and the freak really out point. yeah in the in the stairwell where she tells che when che said this isn't working and miranda says this has to work Oh, yeah. Was so problematic yeah. that at that point she should have realized, oh, I have an issue with addiction and I just used Che as a replacement yes. to my other addiction. I did not think of that, but you are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. And it's just, right. why aren't they exploring that facet right. of the problem? Right. And also, like, the the thing, and I, it seems so clear to me, the way they have left the storylines, um, they, they are probably counting on getting picked up for a second season at least because there's stuff that needs to be resolved like what happens with Miranda and Che Carrie is like making out with Franklin in the elevator that's that's what we leave the series that's the note that we're left on like yeah you know oh she's finally in a place where she can move forward or you know um and um it's yes it's but but I I feel like they also, in the scene when Che is telling Miranda, you gotta fix your shit. I'm going to Cleveland because I have worked there, but you gotta fix your shit. Otherwise, I am not going to be in a relationship with you. Um, get your life together and then we can talk. Um, but also, they make a big point of saying, I cannot give you anything traditional. And I don't think Miranda took that in. And so far, what Che has done untraditionally 
really amounts to doing a very telling her or telling their girlfriend in a very tacky public way that they're moving to Los Angeles. Um, the worst. Exactly. The worst. Exactly. Like you really couldn't have pulled her aside like that morning and said, Oh, by the way, this happened. I do want to talk to you about this and how it will affect us. But like, let's have a fun time at the, at the gathering tonight and we can talk more, you know, like you don't just save that information and just rehearse with your band instead do a song about it um you know and um, then when she was in between the grandmas and the grandmas are like what's a pilot yeah and Miranda says i don't know it's like Miranda you know what a pilot is Miranda had the big TiVo addiction in the original series she was like the original binge watcher (laughs) Uh, so dumb yes so so dumb and then like but that's the thing is is they make a point of Che saying I'm not going to give you anything traditional and the only thing that we know that's not traditional about their relationship is that Che is non-binary and bisexual and Che is a comedian and Che openly says that they're a narcissist which is like here's some more red flags I mean self-awareness is great Che but like that's not that's not good Um, and I'm, I'm I'm feeling like if they do a season two, they have to do Miranda starting to realize that, I mean, and I think she started to in that stairway scene when she had the meltdown of, of oh my God, I'm, I'm doing this like traditional girlfriend shit because I'm culturally wired to, but that's, I, you know, that's not what this relationship is. Um, right. But, you know. But then she's also so quick to be like, no, 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 this has to work, this has to work, this has to work. I think because, as you said, she's replacing one addiction with another. And I think also because even though she wants to shake her life up, she is, I mean, there's that kind of horrible scene when Miranda confesses to Charlotte what's been going on with Che. And Carrie's just like, oh my god, oh my god, you know. Um, Where Charlotte says, you're not progressive enough for this. Which is a, like, mean but accurate yes because i don't think miranda will will know what to do you know like let's say che comes back and says by the way i'm polyamorous like i was expecting that actually i was expecting right. that to happen in this season and to have that, that right to be a, an aspect of this you know when they make the point of che saying i'm not going to give you something traditional like i 100 percent thought that that was where that was headed and then Shay's like, no, you're the only one for me. What? And also, what And do, why? Yeah, why? <laughs> what do they, what, what do they talk what about? What is so great about no. either of them? Exactly. Why are they falling in love? Why are they falling in love? What are they, I mean, Miranda's like, what? misguided. Yeah. But what is so attractive to Mer- about Miranda right. to Shay? Uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, you know, when Shay says, what can I say? I'm a narcissist. I kind of wonder if this is like, having knowing that you have this woman this sexual partner who's really 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 hung up on you maybe there's like a narcissistic ego thing going on and that's the attraction because otherwise i don't know what they have in common i don't know what they talk about uh, no you know i don't i you know like is che really interested in miranda's grad school work uh does Miranda, 
is Miranda going to become a big old pothead because she's around <laughs> Jay all the time? Uh, you know, like, I, I, I don't know what they talk about. And, you know. It's me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, and, and, okay, so then maybe it's just a very, very strong, um, like, sexual chemistry, which is fine. But then, you know, but Miranda's, like, putting all of these expectations on the relationship and she's like whoa whoa <laughs> slow down please like, <laughs> you know um and i think it's 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 she's she's replacing one addiction with another and i think also she's used to being there she's used to having a partner she's been with steve for over 20 years right she probably if she's gonna leave steve she probably needs to take some time with herself instead of rushing immediately into not i mean not just any relationship but a relationship that is is very complicated inherently yeah um, so different and yeah, foreign yeah yeah exactly um you know not which is not to say which is not to say that rushing headlong from one relationship in which she was apparently unhappy for a very long time and then finding the right person immediately. Like, I know that happens. I've, and I feel like we've even seen that in the series. Like, I feel like... Sure. I feel like that's what happened. Kind with of Trey with, and Harry. With Trey and Harry. Um, even with Miranda, when Miranda was dating Dr. Lee Blair Underwood, and that was getting super serious. And she ended it because she realized she still loved Steve. And basically, you know... Blair Underwood was out and Steve was moving into the house. So, True. It, you know, like, maybe that's not as big a problem as maybe that's not a big problem in theory. Um, because right. I've seen those relationships and in, my, in real life, I have seen those relationships succeed. It's not always the worst thing ever to realize you're unhappy in one relationship because you've met somebody that you, you realize you could be happy with and you want to pursue that. That's sure. That's maybe not the big problem. I think the big problem is that it's a it's such a change from what she's used to, and that is something that she should probably unpack in therapy a little bit, big time. Um, You know, with the support of friends. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and like, and I love that she like Charlotte is so Charlotte. She's like, oh, you found love, yay! Go to Los Angeles and be with Che. And I was like, two episodes ago, you. like mad at Miranda because she cheated on Steve and you're not progressive enough for a relationship with a non-binary person and blah 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 and then, and then she immediately is back to being like yay love I'm, love. I'm Charlotte <laughs> but yeah you're totally right like Charlotte all of a sudden she was one way for a second yes. and I thought that conversation at like the the picnic table yeah. where they were talking about rock almost And how Charlotte was, like, so, like, her problematic response to their daughter or their their child coming out to them. And that would have been an interesting storyline to see, too. And then we don't get to see that because it's washed over in, like, a three-month period of some time. Yeah, exactly. Just disappointing. Yeah, and and that that does get wrapped up fast. It's like at first Harry and Charlotte kind of struggle with the information. And then by the time for the day mitzvah... 
they're all calling they're all calling rock rock it's fine they're, they and they're also cool with rock being very terrible yeah kind of like a bad kid yes rock is awful rock is awful <laughs> rock's not great rock's not great i will be honest too lily also not great lily is clearly like charlotte's mini me but worse somehow um the a very great pianist i'll give her credit um i don't know if the actress played played that uh in whatever but but um the whole plot line at the homeless shelter where uh like lily's freaking out because she's just started wearing tampons and she's just like every step of the way she's just like ah, i can't deal with it i'm like i'm like what i mean like I mean, we were talking about how Brady, Brady's a shitty kid, but like, they're all, they're shitty, all kids. shitty kids. They've all done a bad job of parenting their children. I mean, I, I see that Harry and Charlotte are, are making effort. Um, and maybe they just, they just, maybe they just unfortunately have two children who are in the beginning of puberty. And, Crazy and, times. Yeah, exactly. And, and children are notoriously bad. I mean, I, I have a, a former colleague who, um, when his son turned 14, um, he's, he's, when he would talk to me, he was like, he started referring to, uh, his, his son as the child. Um, I mean, not, not like meanly, but he was just, kind of like, sure. he was just kind of like, the child is now entering this phase and we are just getting all sorts of crazy. And he's like, we just gotta wait it out because we know gotta wait it out um but yeah so i mean maybe that i hope that's it because otherwise just like why are all the kids on the show bad yeah it i think that also highlighted highlighted the the fact that samantha wasn't there to be like hey your kids suck because you're bad parents right because no one was calling out the parents for being bad parents right they were saying like oh yeah your kids are kind of acting out right now like they're going through a difficult time right you know the, the parents were complaining about the kids Right. And other people were complaining about the kids, but it was never a finger pointed at the parents to say, right. hey, maybe this is your fault. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Just, there's just, it's just sloppy. It's sloppy writing. I just think it's sloppy writing. And, um, you know, I'm sure they were meaning to use the Brady and the Lily and Rock storylines for humor and maybe with rock to explore you know um the beginnings of a situation like you know the beginnings of somebody who will grow up to be maybe not a stand-up comic version of che but you know we see the adult non-binary person and we see what it's like to come out we see the coming out of a young non-binary person um and and again they, they could have done a lot more with that and they didn't um, but it just felt like they were using the kids for laughs, but what was going on with the kids was actually not funny because they're just right. bad, they're just bad kids. <laughs> right. They're just bad kids with bad boundaries and, uh, you know, they don't stop. And how did Harry and Charlotte not know that Rock was not studying for... The, the Torah, yeah, yeah, for the they mitzvah. Yeah. How are they only finding this out in like four days before it from from Rabbi Jim? Why? Yeah, with 
with Charlotte being as type A as she is, how is she not sitting in on every single, every single rehearsal? rehearsal, every single tutoring session? I mean, like, I, right. I, I had, you know, like, I growing up, I went to several bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs. Uh, you know, I talked to the kids who were doing it, and they were like, we had tutors, because we don't speak Hebrew at home. We had people come to the house, or we went, we went to a place, and they taught us how to learn what we were saying and how to study for it because this is culturally important to us and also like very unlikely that a family a a jewish american family is speaking hebrew at home so i mean i'm surprised that charlotte didn't have a tutor and i'm surprised that there wasn't a tutor because the tutor would have gone to charlotte and said you know it's not happening happening you know rock's not studying rock's not doing the homework i there's only so much, you know, they only realize it when, when Rabbi Joe like comes to make the assessment. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a bummer because it, it does seem, and this is a problem with, and just like that, because they did a good job explaining when Charlotte was going through the transition yeah. into becoming Jewish. Yeah. They, they showed them at Temple. Right. They showed them preparing for that. Right. But now it feels like, oh, well, we already have our Jew characters and they talk about being Jewish a lot. Yeah. But you don't really see them actually being Jewish. Right, right. And it's like they're just checking off a box to say right. like, oh, no, these characters are Jewish, but yeah. you don't really see them doing anything. Right, right. Which would have definitely, I think, led to a more interesting storyline with Rock as well. Yeah. To see Rock like struggling with that throughout the entire course of their religious right. history. Right, which would then make Rock's refusal at the end to do it make more sense because in the moment it just felt like Rock was like well I know I'm gonna suck at this so here are my here are my other reasons why I don't really want it or maybe those were the feelings they were struggling with the whole time and that's why they neglected their studies you know and and that right you know but they didn't say that it just sounded like Rock was like no I'm not gonna do it because I'm yet again being a shitty kid yeah, I'm in a shitty mood. I don't want to do I it. I don't want to do it. And I realize you've you know, paid a lot of money for this to happen. And I don't care. And, you know, I don't identify as anything. I don't, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. I'm not, uh, you know, a girl. I'm not a boy. I'm not my non-binary. I love, I'm I not love, a New Yorker. I'm not a New Yorker. I love when, I love when Rock said that in particular. I'm not a New Yorker. And that was what Harry and Charlotte reacted to the most. They were like, oh, you don't consider yourself a New Yorker. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but uh, weird. <laughs> and if so, Rock, what do you consider yourself as? Like, yeah. New York is a pretty good thing to consider yourself yeah, as, yeah. if anything. If anything, if anything, right. You know, so it's, it's it was, it was it, it, it's just all this stuff that, like, the things that they could have done. There were a lot of really good ideas. I think they had a lot of really good ideas when they went into this, and then they wrote them terribly. Yeah. Um, and 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 so that's why I think they shouldn't. I also think the minute Kim Cattrall said no, they shouldn't have, been, have done yeah, it. Yeah, they should have been off the table. Um, I think that was also a big misstep. Um, Agreed. And um, but as you said in the beginning, if it gets picked up for a season two, I will watch because I'm curious. I want to see if they're going to write their way out of these problems that they've sort of 
introduce. put themselves in. Yeah. And, you know, it could just be a terrible, rocky first season. And if they yeah. decide to just, like, let loose a little bit and right. have fun with this right. and don't feel like they have a checklist that they have to get through. Exactly. I think it could be good. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. And also, like, you know, it would be great since they took the time to introduce all of these sort of ancillary new friends in very tokenizing ways. But they took the time and they also tried to give all of them plot lines. You know, Naya and her husband are doing IVF and he really wants a child and she's ambivalent. And then she gets to, like not even ambivalent she gets to no i don't think i want this and that's you know but but, but also because he is so into it she feels like she has to take exactly, a stance exactly but 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 we um we don't spend enough time with them like they don't get enough time of their own to allow us to get really invested in that relationship um ltw and her husband you know um you know like this this new york african-american power couple you know he's he might run for mayor you know um they only get a little bit of plot in the school auction when herbert is really good at emceeing and ltw like doesn't know how to use a microphone and then they perplexing get, exactly very perplexing she's a documentarian she makes documentaries yes. she makes documentaries for a living why does yes. she know how to use a microphone um, you know, and they get for into, plot exactly, exactly, and they get into this fight off stage where she's like, "You're telling me I'm bad at this," and rah, 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 and that was it. And then also, like, there was a thread of like some mother-in-law issues there. She had like a really bitchy mother-in-law, and Charlotte kind of saved her ass at the dinner party with her, you know, old art gallery knowledge of of art and her passion for art. Um, and then that got dropped, the problematic mother-in-law contract. Right. Um, and I will say it's unfortunate that LTW is responsible for one of my least favorite scenes in the series mm-hmm. is when she and Charlotte are playing that older uh, female uh, tennis team. Oh, yes, yes. And the whole they use that older couple of women as the butt of the joke. Right. For the other female characters and it's supposed to be a show about women aging gracefully exactly. and not being counted out. Exactly. And then they use even older women to be the butt of the joke. Right. As this throwaway scene. Right. And which I thought like, really was disheartening. It's disheartening. And then also, like, cheesy as hell. They score it to an eye of the tiger. Yes. You know? I'm like, really? Like, that's the most, like, so on the nose, like, music choice for that moment that it's like it takes a dumb scene and makes it dumber somehow you know? yes. <laughs> like, and that was also like that episode was also the one where so we see that you know herbert and ltw don't have a perfect relationship because they're arguing backstage at the auction and then there's also that really bizarre plot line that gets dropped where harry's like why don't you ever apologize to me you apologize to everybody else but you knocked me over on the tennis court and you didn't apologize to me and that hurt my feelings. And also like, you, you know, like you physically hurt me. I didn't mean to, I know that, but you never apologized to me for that. And then Charlotte goes on a whole thing about like, you're mansplaining apologizing to me. And I don't, you know, women are conditioned to apologize for everything. So I'm not going to apologize to you. And I was like, what, what are they trying to do all, here? All she had to say was, listen, you invited yourself to tennis, which right. was like the one thing that I got to do with a female friend without men involved. Right. I didn't like that. 
Right. But you're right. I'm sorry. I pushed you. I shouldn't have pushed you. I'm, right. sorry. I'm sorry. That was yeah. it. Yeah. That's all I'm they sorry. had to say. I'm sorry I did something that, that made you get physically hurt on the court. Yes. Um, and, but it, like, it became this whole thing and it carried over into the auction. And, you know, he's like keeping track of who, how many people she says sorry to. And he's like, I counted nine sorries in the last half hour. And I'm just like, this is... It felt like they were trying to... Because otherwise... Charlotte and Harry seem to have the healthiest marriage. Supposedly a very yeah. healthy marriage. Very, very healthy, yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, that was weird, too. I'm going to put that in when we're talking about a show that used to be about women talking, frankly, about their sex lives. And then Charlotte is freaking out because Lily walked in on her um, going down on her husband. And Miranda and Charlotte are both like, wait, hold the phone. You still give Harry blowjobs? And this is like shocking to them, you know. See, like, where's Samantha when you need her? Exactly, exactly. Like they're <laughs> just you. Know, Carrie even goes, "Was it? Is it his birthday?" And I was like, "What? What? Why is this so? Why is this like a conversation stopping moment? You know, where like right. you know Charlotte is having what I think is a genuine anxiety about you know because." that's that's awkward you know yeah she thought she was gonna act a certain way around her daughter and then found out that she wasn't up to the task and so she's kind of disappointed in herself herself. but also mortified exactly and also like having to have the conversation with your daughter that like yes you know your my your dad and i are sexual beings and that's a part of being human and i'm sorry that you um walked in on that because that was awkward but like you don't need to feel bad you don't need to feel awkward about it and if you have any questions or whatever you know the, I, I i understand where she was coming from you know when she was saying because i was raised to think a certain way about sex and, and that fucked me up um and then like that's some really deep stuff and then miranda and, and carrie are like you still give very blowjobs and that's the only thing and it's supposed to be funny, but it's not. Yeah, it's not. And it's like they're not listening to anything Charlotte is saying about her concerns about what happened. They're just like, what? Still, what? You still give blowjobs? We're 55. Dicks? Yeah. Blowjobs? Yeah. We're 55. We don't give blowjobs anymore. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Why? When does that, there's an age count on that? I mean, like. Well, I mean, they they don't care about blowjobs anymore. Steve doesn't know how to finger anymore. Who yeah, knows? What was that, too? Like, Who knows? Like, Steve's like, am I in the right place? Like, you were like the, the sex god for Miranda in the original series. And he's like, I don't know if I'm touching the right part of you. I'm like, what? Why, why have they done this to him? You know, like, okay, the actor needs hearing aids. So Steve needs hearing aids. Big deal. Big deal. Big deal. It doesn't mean that he's like old and doddering and uh, clumsy and bad at sex and bad at, you know, keeping his wife happy and bad at, right. know, um, bad at life. I mean, you bad know, at life. yeah, but he's still successfully running a bar. Because there's a and, managing, and managing employees and employees yeah. and dealing with people who are you know like quitting on him and you know I I don't I'm running you know I I gotta hire another bar back now and it's hard to hire in this you know in this post pandemic world that apparently only they live in 
yeah you know i i it's they, they've made and then you know we 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 get that check-in with steve and carrie in the homeless shelter painting scene where she sees that steve's unwillingness to let go of the relationship gets her realizing that that her feelings of not being able to let go of john are actually not like it's like she's she recognizes that steve is doing an unhealthy thing and sees it in herself like i we get that check-in with him and then that's the last we see of him in the show then it's all miranda and shay and even the scene at the end where miranda's like she's dyed her hair red again and she and Brady are leaving to go on their respective trips. Where is Steve? Where is Steve? Where is Steve? Uh, you know, it's daytime. He's not at the bar. Bar bars are a nighttime job. Um, why isn't? Yeah, unless he... he's prepping. But yeah, yeah where exactly, is he? Yeah, exactly. Where is Steve? Why isn't he saying goodbye to his son? Um, you know, like where is Miranda living right now? Where, you know, like, are they still in the house? Has she figured that out? I mean, I'm, and that's the other thing, too. In the first Sex in the City movie, they show infamously Steve cheated on Miranda once, and that was a huge part of the plot of the first film. Yeah, that's her entire storyline, yeah, for the most part. Exactly, other than the big exactly, snafu. Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, so that's the other bathroom thing, too, is that that obviously um, really, really was a thing that could have damaged their relationship permanently but they worked through it and it seemed at the end of the film that they came out stronger because of it and then now you know like Miranda's very like oh la di da I, I had you know, like finger sex with Che in Carrie's kitchen and ah you know like it's there's no acknowledgement of why that's a hypocritical attitude to take given what we know about the relationship. Um, right. But also, in the first film, when Steve says, I'm sorry, I had a one-night stand. I feel horrible. I want to work through this with you. And she immediately leaves and gets an apartment like in Chinatown or something. And they don't explain what has happened now that she's told Steve she's leaving. Has she moved out? Has he moved out? But where would they go? Is she like going apartment hunting she's not living with che we see right. that she's not living with che um and maybe i think it's just something the writers didn't even care didn't to even think care. about exactly, exactly and it's not necessarily like and that's why the show is not good but it's strange it's strange it's like okay we've dispensed with steve and now we can move forward with miranda and her new relationship and it's just a it's just a horrible disservice to Steve the character. It's a horrible disservice to the history of that relationship, um, you know, as as we know it thus far. Um, and it's it just it it I recognize they were trying to do something very interesting with Miranda's journey on this series, but they just did it so badly that it makes me wonder why. <laughs> you know i know why this this is if they this is not the way to do this kind of story and i understand that it was important to cynthia nixon that they do do this story and i respect that but you think that being in the position she's in being that this mirrors 
a little bit what happened to her in her life, that she would be able to lead the writers, especially as one of the executive producers of the series, to right. lead the writers through this and be like, okay, well, this is what it was like for me when I had my... When this happened. Yeah, when I had my, you know, like, middle-aged realization about my own sexuality and the marriage that I was in with a man that I was unhappy in. Um, you know, I don't know why... She, and she's an intelligent woman. She ran for governor. She is. You know? She is. Um, why? This series is not a good indication of that, no, but she is. No, she is. And and she, you know, if this if this story was that important to her to tell, she should have taken a bigger hand in how they wrote it. And and if she and then if I'm wrong and she was very involved with how it was written. She shouldn't I, be writing. She shouldn't be writing. She shouldn't be she shouldn't be uh, working with the with the writers' room. She shouldn't. Right. Um, I know she directed. I think a couple episodes, or maybe just one. But yeah, I think she, maybe she shouldn't be involved. She in should. That yeah, aspect. exactly. Just you know, it's, it's and that's okay. Well, that's okay. Yeah, I think she directed the Diwali episode. I think that was the one. Um, you know, and that's that's great. I always like seeing it. Seeing when uh, you know, like I, on Mad Men, I loved when John Slattery started stepping in and, and directing because I thought he did really. really interesting stuff with the episodes that he sure. directed um so i always like to see that on a, on a show that's long running i mean like we can i mean if we consider and just like that as an extension of the franchise this is a very long running show at this point extremely um, so i do like to see when actors are, are invited to sit in the in the chair i marishka hargate has directed a number of svu episodes um, it's cool, but yeah, I know Elizabeth Moss has directed episodes of Handmaid's Tale. Oh yeah, that's right. That's so, right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's cool, but um, you know, if she was going to be in the director's chair, I don't know why she also wasn't taking the lead on. You know, like okay, this is how you write a story. This is, you know, or even just going to the writers. There are room nuances exactly, to it. Nuances to it. Come to the writers' room and say, okay, do with do something with this, but let me tell you what it was like for me when I lived through this experience and then you take what you want from that and you put it into the show instead of let's smush four storylines into one make Steve suck and make him a non-character make him a non-character you know ostensibly so that we're on Miranda's side you know when which she backfired which backfired terribly hideously yeah, yeah. because because everyone loves Steve <laughs> right <laughs> it's like everyone loves Steve and Jay is not a good stand-up comic you know and well it's just they took the entire first movie to make the audience side back with Steve right they spent all of that time working on getting us to forgive him to, right so right so exactly. now it's like he can do no wrong right like we love him yeah exactly exactly and it's just it, yeah i just I, I don't know why they did that i don't it just it's character assassination of the worst kind um you know and, and he's the most extreme example of a character who we, we knew in one way in the original series who's just like completely unrecognizable at this point and it, and, it made me yeah angry. definitely it made me really angry because he was he's wonderful and, and david eigenberg is a wonderful actor and he didn't have a whole lot to do. And, no. You know, 
And as like far, a waste. oh, go ahead. Yeah. Just, I mean, I, it just seems like they. I mean, and they got so many people. They got almost well with Kim Cattrall being the very, very obvious exception. They got almost everybody. They got everybody back for this series, even. You know, like Susan Sharon, who says, you know, the thing about, you know, he was a prick to carry for so long at the funeral. She's a very early character. She was like a season yeah. two character. And I I do seem to remember that she and Carrie did get in a fight about something stupid. And I think that's what she was going on about at the funeral. But Carrie, it was like such a stupid fight that Carrie's like, I don't know what she's talking about. Which I thought was kind of funny. Right. But, you know, yeah, that is funny. Yeah. But like, so they, they got her back. They got that actress back. They got Bridget Moynihan back to play Natasha. They brought the actress back to play Bitsy Von Mufflin. You know, like they they went and tracked these people down. Some of them had very bit roles to show up. Extremely. And do this. And that, that takes effort to go out there and, and, and pull all of these people who were very peripheral to the story and have them come back because it was important to them to, to like, some narrative continuity but then they like completely destroyed our protagonists in the process and it just it's like it's a lot of effort to go to and have this be the result yeah so going off of that i think my last comment that i'm gonna make on this first series Mm -hmm. whether it becomes season one who knows? Who knows? We'll find out soon, I'm sure. Right. Is that because we have had shows, granted, I've never thought How I Met Your Mother seemed like a New York show. No. I think it really lacked that. It was not. I never felt um, that. Yeah. Yeah. I will say Sex and the City felt very New York to me. Yes. But, but in yes. the advent of Sex and the City leaving, mm-hmm. we've had girls... We've had this show called Betty on HBO, which is about a group of female skateboarders. Oh, cool. Uh, I didn't know about that. Betty is so cool. Yeah. Highly recommend. Um, it was based off of... It's funny. There's a group of skateboarders in New York City called Skate Kitchen, and they're a female skate gang. And they have an Instagram. And there was a fictional film based off of some of these core skate group girls their lives and it's a film called skate kitchen cool and skate kitchen did so well that hbo picked it up and they said we would like to make a show about this and the show is called betty and it features the same actresses but different characters from their characters in skate kitchen but they're all the same people and they're actual people who skateboard in new york city it's very cool that's that sounds super cool i'm definitely gonna check that out Um, it's awesome but yeah so like girls felt very new york mm-hmm. skate kitchen is like new new york that mm-hmm. you're seeing mm-hmm. and then you get in just like that and it seems like new york doesn't play a part hardly at all except for maybe carrie searching for apartments right. maybe that's like the only aspect right like the, yeah her decision am i gonna move downtown or not or like the, in the, right in the like natasha spin out episode where she's just like i'm just walking all over the city because i don't know what to do with myself um <laughs> She's like, I'm on the Upper West Side right now. And that's apparently foreign to her. <laughs> I'm like, how long have you lived in the city? <laughs> yes. You don't go to the Upper West Side. That's the one neighborhood that you are not familiar with. 
why. Um, right. And like the fact that like the Upper West Side is kind of like encroaching on Harlem, which is becoming a very new and like yeah, hip and yeah. renovated mm-hmm, area. For sure, yeah. Why wasn't there more discussion of that? I just felt like they knew it took place in New York. It had to be there. Yeah. But other than that, it didn't feel very New York-y to no, me. No, it didn't. It didn't. And I would argue that New York was very much like a, a fifth character in the original story. It was very much, you know, it was it was an important part of the story that it was there. Um, and yeah, no, there was none of that. There was none of that there. I also wonder if, um, I don't know how you feel about this. This is the last thing I'm going to say about this, too, because I just want to get your opinion on it. Um the original series it's obviously from carrie's point of view because we're getting her voiceover and she's she's kind of helping frame each story um as each each of the girls plot lines as or the women's plot lines as as you know you see the connections between what's going on with all of them and, and that's a framing device and they did away with that entirely in and just like that except for at the end of every episode when she says and just like that and some of the and just like that's were random so dumb yeah yeah like you know and just like that and she's sitting in the big poofy dress from the you know alexander petrovsky you know stranded in the hotel room (laughs) scene and she's like eating french fries and she's like and just like that i learned that there's some things you can never put in storage and i was like that had nothing to do with the episode that we just watched I think my least favorite one was, and just like that, I felt like dancing. Yeah. It was like, what? Yeah, cool. Great. Awesome. (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah. Weird. 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 Just, um, yeah, I wanted to know what your take was on that. You know, I mean, about did the show suffer from not having Carrie's voice as a framing device? Um, Yeah, I definitely think it suffered big time and it was a wasted opportunity i think to cast a fourth actress who completely filled the spot mm-hmm. of samantha mm-hmm. it's an unfillable spot it's un- right but if right if they would have had a female character mm-hmm. who they had built and written into the show mm-hmm. as she's been friends with them for five years, for 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, someone who has kind of worked their way into that friend group. Right. And had that be the voiceover. Like oh, she's this she's, new oh, fresh character. Right, right. And she's kind of observing these women in their various getting to know them with each other. And, right. Yeah. And, and that would give a better insight into this person is learning about these characters. Mm-hmm. And so even though, these are characters that we as an audience know and love. If this main character didn't know them well enough to understand how they would react to X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. then we could be like, well, of course that character doesn't know this about them yet. Right. So it would make some of their like foibles and some of their misgivings seem more natural right. to us. Right, right, right. As opposed to like, why are these characters acting this way? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> I think that would have been a very strange thing to do for sure mm-hmm. but i think it would have been very helpful for them i think so too. to give like a different inroad in how to explain this especially if you're not going to let carrie be the voiceover the entire time anyway right, right if you're taking away her point of view give it to someone more interesting right right no i totally i totally agree with you i think that would have been a very interesting approach and would have 
you know, maybe helped redeem some of the, or all of the missteps that we've sort of been talking about, you know. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. And I mean, if what they're trying to do is maybe work towards like giving, I believe her name is Lisette, the the downstairs neighbor. Oh yeah, she. Maybe they're trying to work towards her being like a main character of like a spinoff. Right. Great. Yeah. I mean, I'll take that. That was. I felt like that was a storyline that was like introduced and dropped. It was like maybe Carrie was seeing the version of her that had just moved to New York when she was Lisette's age, and that was why she sort of felt connected like the scene where she kind of walks in and Lizette is like passed out it's like two o'clock in the morning she's gotten she pulls in and turns the music off and obviously she's feeling something she's seeing something in Lizette's life in that moment that she remembers and I think that's that was an important you know like character beat for Carrie and right. Then, and then we get Lizette saying, well, would you please wear this ring I designed and post it on Instagram because you're a public figure and that'd be great for me. Thanks. Um, and then bye, Lizette. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. So, yeah. Uh, just strange. Just strange. All of these, all of these, again, good ideas that just were executed so poorly. Um, yeah, and I think if you're trying to write a show for women who are in their 50s, trying to say, like, we see you, yeah, I would imagine a lot of women in their 50s watched this and thought, that's not my life. Right. That's not how I act. Right. That's not how I feel like I interact with the world. Right, right. You know, I feel like it was doing a disservice to the women of that age. Yeah. And doing a disservice to the fans of the show. Right. Doing a disservice to the people who are just getting into this. Right. I just, I don't know who this show was for. I don't either. I don't either. You know, maybe just to make money, maybe, maybe just to be an ATM. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. They, they, the mission statement of the show in the very first 10 minutes of the first episode. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I. It's just it's 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 strange. Um, you know, again, like the idea of checking in on these women now that 20 years have gone by is interesting. That's an interesting. There's a lot you could do with that period and they just and all the jokes about them being like even even charlotte and miranda and carrie making jokes about how they're old like there's this thing where carrie meets miranda on the steps of the you know columbia university library and miranda goes i see you you're the only 55 year old person sitting in, on the steps and i'm like there are 55 year old professors at columbia there are other yes. re-entry students like yes. Miranda who take classes there. There are graduate students who come back, you know, what the hell? Like, you know, we're old. We're old. <laughs> 55 is not old. This is not, you know. No. And, and I do feel like people, when they are aging in a certain way, like as, as we all get older, you never feel like you're old. No. Unless, I guess you do have, like, a physical thing that you're like, well, this sucks. I guess this is a reminder sure. of how I'm old. Sure. But it's not something you're harping on all the time. Yeah. No. No. That's not, that's, that's not the way people talk. That's not the way people think about themselves. That's not. No. That's not the way. It's just not the way people behave. <laughs> you know? Absolutely not. So. And. 
I hate to say it, but I do think uh, Michael Patrick King, Michael Patrick King, King that's correct, yes, right? King. Yep, yep, yep. Yes. Um, I think maybe he's done. I think, like, obviously this show is created by Darren Starr mm-hmm. and MPK decided to step in and right. he's kind of become this new showrunner. I think maybe there's too much of a disconnect that he probably shouldn't be able to run the second right. season if there is one. Right. Right, because, yeah, because he's, he, there's just things that he obviously fundamentally does not understand about women, about aging, about what relationships look like at this stage of your life, you know, when you're, when you're considering things like Harry and Charlotte and uh, Miranda and Steve have been married for over 20 years at this point, and Carrie is already at, at year 15, with John when we come here, which is right. mind blowing, you know. You, Brady's horrible, but there was that. I mean, like I had this very, um, you know, it it was weird and touching to realize that Brady is in high school because, like, we remember Brady as a baby, you know. And there's there was in the before we, before we realized how horrible he is, you know. There was something just sort of like, oh wow, you know, like yes, they she. She would have a seventeen-year-old son at this point because of of when she when the accidental pregnancy happened, and like that's that's so sweet, you know. <laughs> like, it was very exciting yeah. to remember. Oh, the kids are going to be featured in this. Yeah, yeah. And then they really weren't. And then they really weren't. And then when they were, they were terrible. They're just terrible children. Right. Terrible, terrible children. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. that's 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 my i mean like that's my really that's my uh my takeaway from this show is i don't know i don't know either (laughs) well to give uh the the listeners a little teaser to maybe a conversation we'll have in the future Mm -hmm. this is completely not related Mm -hmm. to and just like that Mm -hmm. did you see that qe2 just recently came out and signed off on Camilla becoming queen when Prince Charles becomes king. Did you see this? No. How did I miss this? Oh my God. This dropped like today or yesterday. Oh my God. She came forward and said, I am okay with this. Wow. Isn't that wild? That is amazing. Given the history of that family and divorce and everything about the Charles Camilla Diana love triangle and 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 you know and the way Harry and Meghan have been ousted from the family basically and some people are saying they think this is a diversion tactic Mm. to try to take away from Prince Andrew and all the stuff he's going through so she was like let's turn the attention elsewhere yes because I did (laughs) I did catch that the, the moment when he was stripped of everything when they realized that there was really no, there was no, no way, coming back. Yeah, there was no coming back. They had to do it because of the Epstein stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a good diversion tactic if that's what they did. But wow, because I do remember um, reading an article a while ago about um, how much in advance they plan these the funerals for these heads of state in the UK, and they, you know, like, and you see a little bit of that in the first season of the crown when um when birdie 
uh, George the Sixth, <laughs> <laughs> lovely Jerry Harris, um, uh, George the Sixth, right? Who's the sixth? I believe yeah. so. Um, and you see how choreographed, you know, like the way the BBC does the, you know, and so I, they, someone did a really in-depth article of, you know, they found out what the plan is when, um, when the queen dies and these funerals, they had, they had, they had a plan for Philip when he passed away. They had a plan for the queen mother when she, they passed away. They, they have code names for these funerals, you know, right. um, and I remember reading that article and they were saying that there are some aspects of this that will become one of the things that they mentioned specifically that will become a complication whenever she does pass was the question of what are we going to call Camilla? Because there is no historical precedent for, I mean, Philip was Prince Consort and that's because he couldn't be king because he wasn't, he wasn't the offspring of the previous head of head of state, um, right? And and but he wasn't the first one. You know, Prince Albert was that for Queen Victoria. Victoria. You know that there was a precedent there for that. It was. It's weird. It's a weird role to be in, and you see that in the crown. But um, you know, there was. There's no precedent for. A, they were saying, "What do we call her? Is she going to be the princess consort? Mm, is that a thing?" Maybe it's going to have to be a thing. I remember that, like, the writer of that article was like, this is what's going to happen. And this is what happens to Charles as all of this funeral planning and all this stuff is going to happen. This is what happens to him, what he has to do, what ceremonies he has to go through, what he has to prepare for. Um, and they were like, the big question mark is Camilla. So this is right. wild. I'm so glad you told me that because I, I missed it entirely. That's, that is interesting. That is super, super interesting. Especially because I think when we're young and we're children and we're taught about kings and queens, kings and queens are always married to each other. There's always a king and a queen. But then really in recent history, for years and years and years, really there hasn't been like a king and queen. Right. As you said, yeah, it's always either the king or the queen and then their spouse, which has a special name, all their own. Exactly. And and I just, so yeah, it's it's, crazy. It's crazy. And it's because, and and like, and it's, it's so specific because if the heir is a male, he's the king. And if he's the king, then his wife gets to be the queen. But in the, in the opposite scenario, which is, you know, what happened when, um, when Bertie, when Bertie died. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because she was the heir, um, she's the queen and because she's the heir, nobody can outrank her, which is why her spouse has to be, uh, prince prince, or whatever, Mm -hmm. cannot be, um, cannot have a title that outranks the queen. Um, right. You know, and I always, I, I always, it's, I mean, it's peculiar, but I don't because, because the British do this hierarchy thing, like I get it, I, I get it. But um, you know, I, it, it, I always was kind of like, so that's why the Queen Mother got to be queen, um, because her husband was king. But then, right, you know, and she would not rank him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you know, the opposite, you know, the opposite happens when Elizabeth ascended the throne, and that was, as we saw, something that Philip struggled with for. Quite a while. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and then it seemed like 
he never really, I think, got over it. He just kind of he just kind of like figured, fell into line. He fell into line. Like, and he like figured out his way of doing things. Like he, right, you know, he was told that he could never walk in front of her, so he like he there was no roadmap for him. So he was like, all right, if we're in public, I'm I'm just gonna stay like one step behind her, so I'm not like not with her stepping over the line. Exactly. Yeah, I'm there. I'm, I'm obviously there because I'm her spouse, but I'm gonna gonna defer like he, he, he like he like found a way to make it work for him and dealt with it but also he was always like you know old and he, not old he, was, he became old but he was always kind of <laughs> he was always kind of cranky and always kind of putting his yeah. foot in his mouth and he always i got this i got the feeling even as he aged even as he you know in the last years of his life there was always a part of him that was kind of like this is really silly like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I live a silly life, and I have learned to accept that. But this, right. is, this is silly. I know. I know our lives are silly. You know that's why he insisted that all of his children go to that horrible boarding school. <laughs> all the male children go to the horrible boarding school because he was like, well, at least for a, for four years they'll know that they aren't that special, <laughs> right? Know? And like that's why it was so important to him. He is not the right choice i think for any of those children but no um you know i just always you know he always seemed to have a bit of a sense of humor about you know just like okay i guess this is my life all right Um, right (laughs) so um yeah you know he's he's i've always had a soft spot for him even though he says he said he says the wrong things a, a lot um, because I always kind of got the feeling that he there's this really famous story that I read and then, you know, and then I should probably let it go because now we're talking about the queen and the crown um, but I, I mean I started it <laughs> um, I'm always happy to talk to you about this stuff <laughs> um, there's this famous story about it like I read this and this was many years ago um, but it was still you know obviously it was well into uh, Elizabeth and, and Philip's senior citizenhood, and a journalist was traveling with them, I guess, doing a story about them, and they were driving, and Philip was driving. Um, they were in their private car, and Philip likes driving. And they were talking, and every few minutes, the queen was kind of signaling, like saying to Philip, like, you're going too fast, you're going, to, you know, be careful, like, you know, there's there's traffic up there like don't speed please and then finally at one point philip turned to her and literally said woman if you say one more thing about my driving i'm going to pull over and put you out of the car and then she (laughs) spent the rest of the car ride not backseat driving and afterwards the journalist asked her like wow you just stopped you just stopped nagging him like you outrank him you're the queen like why did you stop and she's like because he 100% would have followed through on that threat. He would have stopped the car and ejected me. And of course, there would have been another, like, escort car that would have picked her up. But he was like, she was like, no, I, I know him. He would have put me out of the car. So I <laughs> And I always found that so charming about their relationship that, like, even in their, you know, I think they were in their 70s at that point. She was like, I know him. He, he would he does not like backseat driving. He wants to yeah. out of the car. Like, I just, that's just who he is. And he's taken charge of the reins where he can. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
<laughs> it's nice that she would give him those allowances. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. But yeah, uh, so obviously, we've reached the end <laughs> with just like that because we're talking about something because else. Now we're, yeah, we're talking about something that we're very, very, very like yes about. Um, yes. So yeah, I think we said all we need to say about and just like that. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens going forward. And, uh, right. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, well thank, thank you, you, Rhea, for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> So. You're welcome. I'm happy to be able to provide a space to rant about something that we're really disappointed in. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Always. Always. <laughs> and listeners, if you have enjoyed this conversation, obviously Rhea and I have recorded another Cathode Raycast where we talked about The Crown seasons one through four. Uh, whenever that fifth season drops, we'll obviously cover that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if, and just like that, comes back for a second season, which it very well likely will, I'd assume. Yeah. Um, we'll probably cover that as well. Yeah. And we'll have a good time then. Yeah. Um, but yes, feel free, obviously, if you're listening to this Cathode Raycast, I want to thank you for sticking with us this entire time. But obviously, check out all of the other great podcasts that Story Screen has to offer. We offer a great deal of many other channels. We have Overdrinkers, which Rhea has been a guest on for a number of those as well. We have Hot Takes, which is probably our most prominent podcast, obviously. It's for films that are recent, uh, recent releases, or just new to us, but most of them are pretty new, fresh hot off the press uh new releases so check out that and then also check out all the articles that we have on storyscreenbeacon.com as well we have a wealth of content for you to check out and please interact with us on any of our social media you can find all of our links to instagram twitter our facebook all of those great things at the bottom of the page on storyscreenbeacon.com and as always, if you want to like, comment, subscribe on this podcast, that would be awesome. We greatly appreciate it. But yeah, Rhea, thank you so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys.